0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network.
1: There has been an awakening. Have you felt it?
2: You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news, and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues.
1: Always in motion
0: is the future. This is just the beginning.
1: You'll find I'm full of surprises, It's not over yet. No. There is another.
2: Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to another new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors regarding Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi, the Han Solo movie, Episode 9, uh, Battlefront 2, and all the other awesome, exciting, upcoming projects in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle,
0: and I've got my co host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Doing good. I mean, honestly, how can I not be doing good right now? Spring has started. Baseball season's right around the corner. Rogue One hits Blu-ray in just one more week, finally, after waiting (laughs) for the digital release hit. And then we're just a few weeks away from Celebration Orlando. So, yeah, it's a great time right now. It's a lot of cool stuff coming up, which I just cannot wait to see. Yeah, obviously.
2: I mean, you know, dare we say it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan? Hmm, haven't heard that before. Um, Yeah, and
0: what, the last two weeks or so (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: we might as well just like make that our tagline for the podcast uh because these days it's always a great time to be a star wars fan but yeah especially right now as we're leading up to celebration and uh, have yet another movie coming out this year and another one about to come out on blu-ray in a week um yeah obviously lots of good stuff going on lots of uh cool stuff to talk about um so let's go ahead and jump right into it um Because, yeah, we'll be talking, you know, movie news and stuff like that. But um, we're going to try to kind of breeze through this so we can get to some Star Wars Rebels discussion uh, at the end of the episode. You guys know usually we leave that uh, to our friends over on the Rebels podcast and we don't talk about every Rebels episode. But when there's a season finale and also a long-awaited showdown between Ben Kenobi and Darth Maul, uh, we're going to talk some Rebels on this episode. And we might end up talking Rebels for a, a long time. So um, let's just jump into this movie stuff right off the bat. Um, So, uh, you know, obviously we've got Star Wars The Last Jedi coming out this year. Um, Hopefully going to be getting our first, you know, trailer for that at Celebration. Um, But in the meantime, we've got a couple other little sneak peeks of things. Um, There was some new uh, Disney merchandise that was just revealed. I think this was just today, right? Mm, Um, Yeah. Yeah, today, the 29th, um, just some new pictures of some T-shirts and stuff um, that are going to be available. Is this just Disney Parks exclusive?
0: Yeah, it's first going to yeah. make its debut at Celebration Orlando, and then after that, it's going to be like at Disney World and at Disneyland.
2: Yeah, oh, of course this is Celebration. Man, I, I know some people going to Celebration. I might have to give them some money and have me pick up one
0: of these. Um I have a feeling those are going to be the shirts that go right away. Remember at Celebration well, Anaheim, yeah, the store that's there true. was like, <laughs> "Oh
2: man!" And at Celebration Anaheim, it was just the Force Awakens logo t-shirts yeah. that were gone. <laughs> These have uh, the Star Wars: The Last Jedi logo, and there's, um, I think it looks like maybe a kid-sized shirt with BB-8, and then a women's shirt with Rey, and a, a men's shirt with uh, Rey, Finn, Poe, and BB-8 on there. Um, And obviously kind of the big takeaway here as far as like reveals for the movie um, is this gives us probably our best look yet at Ray's new outfit for episode nine uh, or episode eight. Sorry. Um, And uh, you know, Tim, I'll let you give your first impressions on this. while I go try to pull it up on my phone so I can zoom in closer on this picture because it's not letting (laughs) me do it on my browser here, but suffice it to say, uh, cool looking, outfit cool looking pose cool looking jedi hero for a new generation
0: yeah first off like i got to get one of these shirts somehow so yeah <laughs> next trip to disneyland hopefully they'll still have them by the time i go which you know i got to go before episode 8 comes out because you know they're going to be adding the new sequence to star tour so i got to check that out at least sometime this year so hopefully they still have these shirts cuz they look cool but yeah another awesome shot of ray i mean we like we're getting a little bit more and more of Rey and her new outfit and her Jedi training because we first got the packaging reveal, which is kind of mainly of her of her head and a little bit of her hand holding the lightsaber. But this one, when we get a full-on Jedi pose, and you know, I doubt it's going to be in for combat, but more like in training. But regardless, it just looks awesome. Yeah, her outfit kind of little mix of the one we saw in The Force Awakens, but still has a samurai feel to it too, which I think is pretty cool. And yeah, just everything we see of Ray just looks better than even what we got in episode seven, just seeing the progression of her character is that we're going to see being reflected in how she looks and how her character is growing as just, you know, in this new part of her life training with Luke and embracing her destiny. So even these little images are giving off uh, that effect of her, how much she's growing in the course of episode seven to eight. So yeah, it looks cool. Kind of wish we had a little more of that with, Finn and Poe but again <laughs> she's the main character and you know the one whose story is going to focus about so it's no question that she's the one who's probably seeing the most change but again still cool to see you know this trilogy's big three heroes on one t-shirt and BB-8 so mm-hmm. yeah a lot of cool stuff on there and which is why I want to get it <laughs> right yeah. where uh, I saw it so hopefully I'll get one soon on my next trip to Disneyland
2: yeah definitely I mean I'm I'm a sucker for you know Jedi and just force wielding characters in general and so um yeah i mean not obviously i liked ray in the force awakens but for all the merchandising and stuff you know seeing her there with her staff and everything i'm like okay she looks cool but you know was never like the first character that i wanted to jump on for like buying action figures or you know on a t-shirt or anything like that but as soon as you put her in a jedi tunic looking outfit and give her a lightsaber i'm like i want that um and yeah i'm i'm having trouble finding a, a better sort of more detailed version that I can zoom in on here, but it looks similar in a sense to the costume that she had at the end of, um, the force awakens, but it's definitely, um, I mean, it's not the same to sort of like sleeveless jacket that she had. This is definitely like a more Jedi robe tunic, um, you know, looking top. That's just, it's still sleeveless. And then I think she either has like a long sleeve shirt or like those same kind of arm wraps or something on underneath, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, very cool looking and very, um, I guess in a way, almost more traditional than I thought it would be. Um, because even from the first image that we got where, you know, you could only see her from like the shoulders up or something. I mean, it kind of looked like she might be wearing the same jacket, but it also looked like it kind of could be a little bit more Jedi robish. But I mean, this is in a way, almost closer to the, like the Jedi costumes of the prequels than I thought they would go. Um, and I thought they might be going in, like, a little bit different direction here with Luke and Ray kind of being the last Jedi and not, you know, having to wear the, you know, traditional Jedi garments or whatever. Um, you know, I mean, Luke obviously is wearing Jedi robes at the end of The Force Awakens, but we've heard that he's going to be wearing a, a costume that almost looks more like Count Dooku in, uh, you know, in Episode Eight. but, um, yeah, I, I just love how sort of, typically jedi this outfit looks well at the same time it does look um
0: it, it's like it's jedi it had the jedi feel to it but it's a ray feel to it it's just like a exactly. good combination of a jedi and just how ray character is because you know it's almost like she modified her outfit that she had in jakku to kind of make it more of a jedi formal attire in a way
2: yeah exactly yeah it's definitely like you're you're not going to mistake this when you see this outfit and you know think that it's like somebody else like it's it's gonna be synonymous with ray but at the same time Mm -hmm. it's like that's Ray's jedi outfit um yeah so yeah just can't wait to see that in action
0: Um, i guess the only negative about these t-shirts is that you just can't see that it's the blue lightsaber (laughs) it just you know the color font on it just makes it like it's a white color but you know what yeah
2: (laughs) i mean i think we can all assume plus the i mean it's even kind of hard to See, I did find one slightly better version of the picture, but when you zoom in on the handle, it's still kind of hard to tell like just from the hilt which saber it is, but it does look like the top is kind of slanted down like the top of uh mm-hmm. you know, that blue one is. And yeah, obviously, like you said, we I'm assuming even though she's handing it back to Luke at the end of The Force Awakens that that's going to be her lightsaber. Luke's got his green one. At least yeah. I hope he still has it.
0: Yeah, I mean I always wondered too is it cuz we know that's going to happen but is it like she like Luke insists on her keeping it where you know that is yours now or he doesn't want it cuz they want to keep so for some whatever reason keep it away where whether it's like a bad reminder of bad things that happened because of that lightsaber with Anakin and then uh, what happened with him losing it in his fight with Vader so I'm just curious as so far as Luke's reasoning for having her keep that lightsaber.
2: Yeah, um I don't know i mean obviously it'll it'll be one of those things that's interesting to find out during the movie but it could just be hey i've already got one but you can have that one and i'm going to train you how to use it um it could be you know maybe she tells him how it called out to her and whatever and he maybe says like well you know obviously the force has chosen you like to wield this weapon like you know you keep it um but also at the same time i mean like i said luke's He's got his green one. He lost the blue one years ago and probably never expected to see it again, just like the rest of us never did. Um, I mean, the first time that, uh, you know, we heard those rumors about The Force Awakens that it was, that, you know, this lightsaber was going to be coming back, we were all kind of like, huh? Isn't that like lost at the bottom of Bespin somewhere? And then, you know, there were the rumors about the severed hand floating through space and whatever. Um, so it's not like this is Luke, like reclaiming some long lost artifact that he's been searching for all these years. Um I think if anything her handing it to him is going to maybe just be a symbol of like who she is or what her purpose is or something like that. Um but we can also well I'll I'll talk about that more in a bit when we get to the the next bit of news that we've got here but um just real quick on the other characters when you're saying you know you wanted to see maybe Finn or Poe look a little different um I mean I think the the jacket, you know, might be kind of like Finn's like iconic look now, but again, like all we see is kind of a side view of him like from the shoulders up here. So I'm assuming he'll probably be wearing something different under the jacket. I mean, we already kind of got a glimpse of that like on the action figure packaging. Like he's not wearing the same um, you know, black stormtrooper you know undersuit or whatever underneath it um and also you know we heard the rumors about him possibly going undercover in the first order uh in this movie so i'm assuming he will you know definitely get some different looks in this movie and then i mean poe is poe like he looks great in an x-wing pilot uniform in an x-wing cockpit like i don't know what else we need to see from him (laughs) um although you know we might see him in the jacket again because that again seems to kind of be like just the the typical resistance uniform so he, i mean he could get another one uh you know and he probably won't spend the entire movie in the cockpit of a fighter but um i don't know like that's that's the classic that, that already to me is like when i think of poe dameron i just think of him in that x-wing so um you yeah, know, i don't necessarily need to see you know him in a different outfit or anything but um at the same time you know more costumes more locations planets you know all that cool new stuff like
0: Give me all of it. Yeah, I guess the question is now, why don't you get a t-shirt like this with Kylo Ren and Captain Phasma? Right? (laughs) The the new Stormtrooper designs, hopefully, that we're going to get in episode 8. So let's get those t-shirts coming, too. Yes,
2: please. Especially, (laughs) I mean, I've been itching to know, like, what Kylo Ren's new costume is going to look like. Um, It would be awesome if we could get one with Luke, too, but I I doubt we're going to see any of that, like, before the... uh, movie actually comes out or you know it might see something in the trailers or whatever
0: yeah but I just hope when force friday 2 happens we get a great onslaught of cool t-shirt designs like we got for the force awakens and un- rogue one for me was not as good I couldn't find very many t-shirts especially ones with death troopers on it which I was hunting for but they eventually started rolling out kind of like in december when the or closest to the movie but like right out of the gate I was expecting that to see some cool t-shirts so hopefully the last jedi follows suit with the force awakens because i cleaned up on a bunch of the force awakens t-shirts <laughs> on force friday so hoping for more of the same
2: yeah well see i did too and so i wasn't too disappointed with rogue one just because by that point i was like okay i can kind of take it easy on the t-shirts for now um and you know even with the last jedi like i i probably won't buy as many shirts as i did for the force awakens because i think you know, I got maybe like four shirts on force Friday and another one later or something. And then I also bought a couple of like custom force awakens shirts from, you know, like T fury or something like that before the official merchandise was out. So I think I got like, you know, I've got like seven or eight force awakens shirts or something like that. I'm like, I don't need that many for the last Jedi, but if I could just have like this green one with all the characters and Ray and the Jedi outfit and stuff and the last Jedi logo on there, and then maybe one with like, I don't know, Luke on it, um, I would be happy with those.
0: Yeah, you say that now, but who knows like how much cooler Kylo Ren may look in yeah, the last Jedi. Well, <laughs> you're see, gonna want every See, it.
2: part of my hesitation is just from the descriptions we've heard of his costume, it doesn't sound cooler to me, but that's why I'm like, well, I wanna see it, because it'll probably end up looking better in person than just what I'm imagining from the descriptions and stuff that we've heard. So, um, yeah, I I could end up getting another Kylo Ren one, too. I would not be opposed to that. (laughs) Um, So anyway, yeah, so there's that merchandising stuff. And then also uh, today at CinemaCon, um, Disney was doing a presentation on, you know, their whole upcoming slate of films. And they showed a sizzle reel for, um, you know, a whole bunch of stuff just kind of mashed together. But there apparently was at least a tiny bit of star wars footage in there um and you know we're mostly just getting this through uh various you know tweets and reports and stuff from different media outlets that were there um but it seems like i don't know if this is the only footage they showed or at least the big takeaway um that everybody's talking about is that um there was you know maybe one or two shots of ray wielding the lightsaber Uh, some people were saying it looks like she's in the same place and with the same costume as at the end of the force awakens um and you know igniting the lightsaber and swinging it around so that's why i was maybe thinking you know when we were talking about uh why luke decides to give ray the lightsaber or you know what she's gonna what's gonna happen after you know her trying to hand it to him there um you know maybe he says to her like who are you or something i think we heard that from um the description of you know some other footage that was shown to was that like it was like a disney shareholder meeting or something Mm, right where they showed a, a different sizzle reel um and apparently luke says like who are you so i'm i'm thinking that might be like his first line of the movie and that rather than answer the question ray like ignites the lightsaber and spins it around and is like you know I'm your new Jedi apprentice. That's who I am or something like that. Like she's, you know, using that to, to prove who she is. Or I mean, maybe they talk first or something and, you know, I don't know. Luke says like, uh, you know, do you know how to use that thing? Show me what you got. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, and there's also apparently, uh, at least one of these, uh, you know, descriptions of the footage also says something about her, uh, moving rocks as well. So, um, you know maybe luke using some similar uh yoda jedi training techniques um that he learned so um yeah i mean obviously no big surprise that the movie's going to start right where force awakens left off and uh, involve some jedi training and stuff like that but um man i just really want to see footage now
0: i know i just love how it's like we're slowly getting teases of the trailer that's to come. Bob Iger showed some stuff at that shareholders meeting and at CinemaCon they just showed a little bit of footage but it's all leading up to what you know is going to be a big well we'll see how long it is but it's going to be big for fans no matter how long seeing that episode 8 footage at Celebration Orlando so it's like just went in the appetite for those who do get to see it then of course be blown away when we see the first teaser for it so it's going to be awesome but I do like how in these descriptions for both there are shots of Ray using her lightsaber. And it sounds like this is going to be for her training to be, you know, become a Jedi. And what I like about that too, is we haven't really seen too much of that in any of the movies was force training involving lightsabers. Mm-hmm. You know, there's very little bit in episode two when Yoda was training the younglings with their training sabers. And there was that cut scene from the empire strikes back where Luke was on Dagobah using his lightsaber to cut that metal rod. But to actually see, you know, Someone really training with their lightsaber and how to use I think could be really cool. So yeah. I'm hoping since we've seen a lot of force training stuff in the Empire Strikes Back, I'm hoping we do get some of that. But if we're they're going to split it between the two, I hope it's more between more lightsaber style training because this is something we haven't seen before really in a Star Wars movie.
1: hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I think it would be cool to see that. Um and I guess I can kind of understand why we didn't see it in Empire, because, you know, at that point when Yoda was just a puppet, it's like, well, how do you show him training Luke to mm-hmm. use a lightsaber? Um, and I should w-
0: mention, too, A New Hope. Yeah, I was about to say Falcon. we did
2: see in A New Hope, uh, you know, him training on the Falcon, because that was basically the same thing that we see Yoda training the younglings with in Episode 2. But um, still, Yeah, I'm kind of
0: hoping for, you know, the teacher and the student using their lightsaber, like Luke. Yeah. Showing her how to use a lightsaber by using his—that would be really cool. No, That's I know really exactly.
2: I know exactly what you mean. Just like in uh, Trials of the Dark Saber,
0: um, yeah,
2: from yeah that Rebels episode with uh, Kanan training Sabine, like that was really cool. And even though it was you know uh, an ex Jedi who never completed his training, training a Mandalorian, it was still you know something that I've always wanted to see from you know, Luke and Yoda or Obi-Wan. And, uh, you know, I would have loved to see that with Anakin and Ahsoka on the Clone Wars. Um, like when she gets her two lightsabers, like, at, you know, just start an episode with, with a, you know, couple minute scene of like her and Anakin sparring in the Jedi Temple or something like that. Um, so to finally get something like that on on Rebels was really cool. But then t- to see it in a movie, like how freaking cool would that be?
0: I know, man, especially with Luke. <laughs> yeah.
2: Although I guess my only concern with that is, I mean, as much as I would love to see, I mean, I would love to at least see, you know, Ray maybe training, doing some moves, like practicing like the forms or the stances or something like that and have Luke like guiding her through that. I don't think I want to see the two of them like sparring with their lightsabers or, or like have him using his lightsaber to to sh- sort of show her. Uh, what to do, at least not in this movie, just because I think the, you know, Luke activating that green lightsaber again for the first time has to be a really cool moment. Like, it can't just be like, Hey, I'm going to turn on my lightsaber and you turn on yours and, uh, let's, let's practice some moves. No, it's gotta be like, you know, they get in trouble, they get surrounded by the Knights of Ren or something. And, you know, the whole time we've seen luke just kind of like draped in this cloak or whatever and then he pulls out the lightsaber from under it and ignites that green blade and the whole you know the crowd goes wild
0: that's a good point actually because yeah you know when he ignites it for the first time it has to be something epic and special so yeah it might not have the same feel when it's for a training sequence but yeah See, I agree with you there. I think I would rather have that first ignition of his green lightsaber be something really special, even though I'd love to see saber on saber training between the two of them. I'd rather have for that, you know, epic moment in the movie where he ignites it for the first time, if it's in an actual battle too, because that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess I'll change my stance on it a little bit. (laughs) I'd rather have the ladder on that front.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like I said, it still would be cool to see, just Ray training with her saber and doing something other than just standing still and, you know, blocking remotes. But um
0: If I remember right, I see I could be wrong, but I thought I remember reading some reports about having like some training sticks or something that maybe they'll be using. Kind mm-hmm. of like you mentioned in Trials of the Darksaber, how Ezra mentioned how him and Kanan trained with that first. So maybe there's gonna be a little some when that front where we'll see them training how to use a lightsaber, but not actually with the lightsaber.
2: Yeah, that could be too. Um, you know what, And that kind of stuff could make for some really cool deleted scenes on The Last Jedi Blu-ray, too. Um. Yeah. Because I'm sure, you know, they'll probably shoot, like, a lot of different stuff and then maybe not end up using all of it.
0: But they'll put it in the trailer, though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, and we'll get to talking about that in a bit, too. Um, before we get to, uh, some of that Rogue One behind-the-scenes stuff, let's talk about a couple possible rumors uh, for episode eight, um, and this first one comes from StarWarsNewsNet.com, dot com, and uh, they're mentioning that we might possibly be revisiting three uh, classic planets um, in uh, either in episode eight or just in the rest of the sequel trilogy. Um, now, possible spoilers here. Um, I haven't read too much about you know the the validity of their sources or whatever, but I just think this stuff sounds cool and sounds plausible and I think would, you know, make a lot of sense. Um, And this is, a lot of it's kind of relating to, like, the backstory, and so I don't know if we'll see these planets in more, like, flashbacks or we'll just be, like, actually visiting them and then finding out about stuff that happened here in the past. Um, But, yeah, so so consider this a a possible spoiler warning if you don't want to know, you know, some of the, um, I don't know, more backstory um, elements that we might discover later uh, in the trilogy. But um, the three planets they list here that we might be going back to are Tatooine, Endor, and Mustafar. Um, And they're kind of relating all of these to uh, Kylo Ren, uh, you know, and his sort of obsession with Darth Vader and wanting to kind of retrace his steps. Um, And the fact that, you know, Tatooine was like where he was born and grew up. Um, that Mustafar was where he became Darth Vader and that, you know, Endor obviously was like where he died and was cremated. Um, but also specifically with Mustafar, they mentioned that we may see Darth Vader's castle again um, that we saw in Rogue One. So, you know, it not just being sort of his birthplace as a Sith Lord, but also, you know, his fortress where he you know, sort of ruled, I guess, um, even though he wasn't just like the Lord of Musafar or whatever, but that was, you know, sort of his stronghold. Um, and so we could possibly be going back and seeing that again, um, after, you know, years after, uh, the last time anyone's used it, or at least after the last time Vader's used it, who knows, maybe that's where Ben lives now, I don't know. Um, but I mean, man, that would be so cool to see. I mean, it was awesome to see in Rogue One, but then to see it again and just sort of have this sort of haunted feel of, like, man, Darth Vader used to live here. I mean, you know, we, we know how cool it was just seeing his mask again in The Force Awakens, you know, that, that burnt, half-melted, you know, charred remain of a mask there, but to see, like, his whole fortress still standing and, and see, uh, you know, Kylo exploring that or whatever would be just super cool stuff. Um but then they also mentioned that uh, we may have actually seen Tatooine already in the flashbacks uh, from The Force Awakens, that that might be where Luke's Jedi Temple was located. Um, and so in that quick shot where you see, you know, the burning stuff in the background and him putting his hand on R2, that that could be Tatooine, which I think makes sense. Because, um, I mean, it certainly looks like it could be Tatooine. And at this point, we have no reason to think that he would have made it Jakku instead. Um I think the only thing that might be confusing is, like, you know, I don't know how much of a role these planets are going to play in the movie, but if we go – like, if the characters, like, in the present time go back and visit Tatooine again in the sequel trilogy, I wonder if there are some people that might be confused and think it's Jakku or think that Jakku was Tatooine, like, all along – Um you know, it's like how many really similar looking sandy desert planets are we going to have in here? But just the connection there I think would be cool. I know in the EU, like, obviously um, it was well established that, like, Luke had his Jedi temple on Yavin um, because the fo- the temples there and everything held, you know, force energy or whatever. But I think also with him having grown up on this, you know, remote desert world and being very familiar with it and it being, you know, just sort of out of the way. And they also mention in here that, um, the crime would have gone down after Jabba's death. So, uh, you know, it's maybe not as much of a wretched hive of scum and villainy anymore that, um, that could have also been a good place for, uh, him to, you know, rebuild the Jedi. So, um, I don't know, very interested to learn more about all of that and see how all this pans out. There is some slightly more, spoiler stuff in the article as far as how this all connects and about luke's journey and uh and ben's journey so um you can go check out the article for yourself if you want to read more into that and it's pretty long too so i'm not going to go through all of it right now but um that's kind of the highlights and uh you know just some of the planets that we might be going back to so tim what do you think
0: yeah please please let all that be accurate (laughs) because i would love to see those three planets back into again Uh, for good measure. I like to throw in Camino, but (laughs) I don't know how you'd work in the clone technology and all that into the sequel trilogy, but Hey, it would have been a cool, you know, fanboy moment for me. if We saw it, but if we get these three planets, I think it'd be really cool. Just for all the reasons you said, and the possibilities of how it would make sense. And, but for Tatooine, part of me thinks I kind of agree where, yeah, we maybe did see it in the force awakens where, Luke could have started a Jedi temple there. And it does make sense. You know, that's where he grew up. That's where Anakin grew up. But part of me wants to see it in the current timeline where it's not just in the flashback. I would love it if for some reason, Ray and Luke have to go back there or race case for the first time going there. And maybe she can even make a quip about how, you know, it's, Oh, this is just like Jack Koo or it's very similar to it or something like that. But um, Luke would tell her how, you know, how significant it is, especially if, you know, what we're hoping for (laughs) Ray is, you know, tied to the Skywalker family lineage and it holds significance for her to be there with Luke. And, you know, especially, like I said, with Anakin uh, growing up there. So I just think, you know, Tatooine is probably the most important planet in the star Wars saga. It's where it all began as Darth Maul said (laughs) Mm -hmm. in Rebels this season. So I would just love it if we see it somehow, some way in this trilogy too, because I think it does need to be featured, in the story in this new trilogy so i hope it's more than a flashback but if it is just a flashback I'll, I'll take that also if it does get revealed or that's where luke establishes first jedi temple or jedi academy then yeah i think that would fit the mold as far as the story i would like to see with that planet holding some importance so yeah i mean i didn't read the whole article myself because i just wanted to know the names of the planets <laughs> that we're possibly going to see again and i was good with that i did read a little bit with the Tatooine stuff. That's kind of maybe why I was thinking more about Tatooine and how I would like to see it be portrayed more than the other two. But yeah, Endor, like I said, it makes sense. The reason to see that again is for Kylo Ren getting that Darth Vader mask and for Mustafar. Jeez. <laughs> Just, I geeked out so much when I saw it in a Rogue One. And if we see it again that many years later and knowing the grandson of Darth Vader is going there, or like you said, how cool would it be if he, you know, kind of made that? his home when he's able to you know he's probably has a lot of first order responsibilities but if that was the actual place he called home just because he knew his grandfather called that home too that would be awesome so yeah the possibility of seeing this planet of well, these three planets again has me super excited and i just hope it ends up being accurate because i would love it mm-hmm.
2: yeah and hey vader had a lot of responsibilities in the empire and he still had time to go chill in his back to tank on his secluded
0: lava planet that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I know Kylo won't have that reason to go to the Mustafar, but or to actually, you know, be there for a specific reason, like Palpatine had Vader yeah. be well there. He but, could,
2: depending on how bad that scar on his face is.
0: Um yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, maybe Snow has him go there, or Kylo insists he goes there to be treated for his wounds. Yeah, <laughs> no, but
2: obviously, I mean, I think. You know, I mean, if he needed to be treated for wounds, he could do that anywhere. Like, obviously, his main reason for going there would just be, I want to go see Granddad's house.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or even to, you know, not just that he lived there, but, you know, that's where Darth Vader essentially was born. Mm-hmm. For real. Like, in that fight with Obi-Wan and all that. All that went down on Mustafar. We've been to the Sith. So maybe that's just reason alone to, for him to want to either travel there or lived there or whatever (laughs) just a a reason for us to see it again even so yeah
2: well and that was kind of my first thought as i just kind of skimmed over the article and just saw the names of the planets i was like oh yeah you know vader you know sort of being born i guess on mustafar like that makes sense but then when i read more and was like oh yeah the fortress duh (laughs) um and yeah I, i think that's i mean now that that's established like i would love to see that again and i think even um I think Pablo Hidalgo kind of hinted about that on I think it was maybe on a Rebels recon, um, after Rogue One, um, because they asked him about Yeah, it was it was like at the end of the, the show when they do, you know, the section where like Andy goes and asks Pablo a question. Um and so it wasn't really related to like whatever that specific episode was, but it was just after it was right after Rogue One had come out and they asked about, you know, Darth Vader's Fortress and did they know about that like back in the beginning of rebels or something like that um and he specifically mentioned he was like yeah in fact when in season one when they go to mustafar at the end and they talk about that's where jedi go to die like they're talking about vader's castle specifically just we didn't see it or get a direct reference to it but you know the the story group they already knew and had established that like vader was going to have a fortress there and that's where he would like imprison jedi or execute them or whatever um and so that's what they were talking about and then he also just kind of hinted at the fact that you know now that we've seen it on the big screen for the first time that you know now the cat's out of the bag essentially and that kind of you know they could use it in other mediums possibly um so who knows i mean if we do ever see vader on rebels again we could maybe even see it on there but i think certainly in yeah. the um you know in in the realm of um the feature films you know episode eight and nine any possible other standalone films that might feature darth vader at some point uh you know although i don't know how likely that is but um know, yeah, who knows it's it's like it's out there now so let's see it some more let's you know keep using it i think it's obviously a great thing to make use of and now that it's not something that has to kind of be kept a secret and just like have this cool reveal it's like oh well yeah now that it's established that darth vader has a castle why wouldn't you show that more
0: and it's a big castle too so there's (laughs) plenty of areas that you could explore (laughs) of of that castle not just limited to what we saw in rogue one Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and in the rogue one uh i think either the visual guide or the art book you know they talk about the idea that even though this castle was like relatively new that it was built on top of like either a cave or some ruins or something that contained even like more sith secrets from you know before vader's time and so and there's all kinds of good stuff you can get into
0: with that yeah seriously i mean i I think we're going to be seeing a lot of mustafar in the future which is fine by me (laughs) whether it's you know animated series movies comics novels i mean Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to explore there, which is going to be really cool.
2: Yeah, who's complaining about that?
0: Not me. Yeah, (laughs) and hopefully nobody.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, there's always going to be somebody out there that's like, "Oh, Mustafar is from the prequels.
0: Hopefully it's a very, very, very minority of (laughs) fans. Yeah.
2: Um, But anyway, yeah, so there's that rumor. Now let's talk briefly about Gorilla Walkers. (laughs) what (laughs) um yeah so uh this is from making star wars and they've got uh some rumored descriptions of uh a new imperial walker that we might see in rogue one and uh yeah they're they're comparing it to a gorilla but basically i think where that mostly comes from um they've got kind of a, a sketch here um where it's showing what basically looks like an AT-AT that we're used to seeing, but taller, like maybe about one and a half times the size of uh, an Imperial AT-AT. And just the the legs and particularly sort of like the bottom half of the legs are a lot thicker. Um, so if you imagine like where it bends at the knee, like below that part is maybe like two or three times as thick as the upper part of the leg. And I think kind of the idea is that... Um, you can't like kind of topple these as easily by having like these big armored walkers that you can, you know, that have these kind of thin legs that you can just take out and have them topple over. Um, you know, obviously like in empire strikes back, they couldn't really do anything against them with blasters, but they were just using those air speeders. Um, and they were able to, you know, obviously tie them up with the tow cables and trip them up. Um, and then in Rogue one, you see the, uh, AT, ACTs, which, you know, are not exactly the same as the AT, ATs, but same principle. And in those, you got, you know, U-wings and X-wings flying by and just tearing those things apart. So, um, you know, I, I think the main idea with these is that they would just be like bigger, bulkier, sturdier, and the legs wouldn't be as much of a weak point. Um, but I, I would also be interested to see if these rumors do end up being true, how much this would actually look like a gorilla. They also have like an artist rendering here of what the head of it looks like. And it looks too much like a gorilla for my taste. So I'm hoping <laughs> this is exaggerated. Um, I mean, this thing looks like it has a face on it. And it's one thing to have just sort of like the the visor thing that kind of looks like eyes. But, you know. I don't know. The the Imperial Walker's like, I mean, yeah, it's four-legged and almost kind of looks like it has eyes on the head or something and, you know, clearly has a head. So it's very animal inspired, but it doesn't look like any particular animal. Whereas like this thing looks like a snarling gorilla and I kind of hope it doesn't really look like that in the movie, but um still a cool concept. So I hope in the, uh you know, in, in the final version that we end up seeing in the movie if this does indeed end up being a thing um you know i i hope they take the the best parts of it and you know make it look cool without going too much like you know beast wars or whatever um (laughs) but also keep in mind i'm pretty sure there was like supposed to be a new type of imperial walker in the force awakens too and you can maybe just like barely see it in the background just like walking across the snow on Starkiller base, there's like never actually any use for it, so um, yeah, who knows what we'll end up seeing here, but I mean it does sound like these might be featured more prominently um, especially, you know, we know that the big armored, uh, you know walkers are kind of a staple of uh, you know, the well, I was going to say the Imperial and then I was going to say the bad guy militaries, but then I was like, well in the Clone Wars and stuff, the clones use them and they're not really the villains but whatever you know there's a there's a long history of big long-legged walking tanks in star wars so i would not be surprised if we end up seeing something like this
0: yeah i remember seeing the headlines like oh man like just be so intrigued by (laughs) what this new walker could possibly look like and there's a part of me that you know kind of want to see how they pull off you know a walker that looks like an ape but like a mechanical ape or something like that but you know i know what you mean where you don't want to look too much like a specific animal. But there's a curiosity. I mean, wants to see like how can they actually pull that off if it is almost like a gorilla-like walker that actually looks like a gorilla. But I think it's kind of probably be a good compromise where you could see what the inspiration from a gorilla in its final design and how it actually you know looks like a modern update of a of a imperial walker. Well, I shouldn't say imperial walker, first order walker, I guess, <laughs> as uh, they're known now as. But um, yeah, I'm just curious to see what it's going to look like. Hopefully we get it in the trailer. And one thing that has me excited for it is, you know, we're probably going to get this signifies hopefully a big battle sequence that's going to involve uh, these new walkers. Because as you were saying, how it looks like they're going to be more harder to take down and, you know, be more of a, a threat as far as an actual battle goes and a war that we're going to see in the movie. Hopefully it's going to, you know, be something new and exciting that we haven't seen too much from the walkers because like you said with Rogue One you know it was pretty similar to an AT-AT instead of it being called even though they were called AT-ACTs they were taken down pretty easily like you said by the U-Wings and as AT-ATs you know they obviously improved on it with those models and became more of a problem for the Rebels to take out but with these ones I'm kind of hoping where it's impossible to take them down and maybe we don't even see them get taken down they're just whatever the battle they're involved in they win that battle because they're just so massive and just so hard to take down. So that would be cool. And maybe even Captain Phasma could be in charge of it. Kind of like how general beer was <laughs> in the battle of Hop, but if you could just wreak havoc in that Walker, leave it and then wreak more havoc in her awesome armor. So <laughs> <laughs> so it has the potential to be really cool. Just, you know, got to wait to see what that final design is going to be. But I have full confidence in, you know, the design team, the concept art is working out Lucasfilm. So I'm pretty sure it's going to look pretty cool.
2: Yeah. Or they could go the opposite way and just go full on gorilla with it and just make it look like a big robot gorilla, have it fight the Zillow beast. And then you could have <laughs> Godzilla versus King Kong, a star Wars story.
0: Oh, they could beat uh, Warner brothers to the punch with their Godzilla King Kong movie uh, team up plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Heck there's, there's still a cloned Zillow beast out there somewhere
0: or at least it's radio. at
2: least it's DNA sitting in a lab somewhere.
0: Yeah, the possibility is definitely there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Hiding I'm just, I'm just gonna course.
2: assume at this point, like until we ever see it pop up again, that you know, even though Palpatine says at the end of that Clone Wars episode, you know, clone the beast or or take its DNA or whatever he said, um, that then later you know, all the Imperial scientists or, yeah, the Imperial or Republic or whatever scientists got together and went, you know what? This is a bad idea.
0: Yeah. Oh. Because, the, well, yeah, technically they probably would do that, but for story reasons, they're not going to say that. Cause we want to see the Zillow beast again somehow, some way they got uh, have that possibility. I, I that.
2: would be okay without it, but <laughs> I don't know if it, if they do bring it back, it just needs to fight a, gorilla walker that's all i'm saying
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, that would be a sight to behold <laughs> yeah in a
2: star wars movie i should say <laughs> oh yeah well i mean that's the only place you're gonna see the zilla
0: beast fighting an imperial walker i would think um, i mean just to get that true like monster movie deal mm. <laughs> in a star wars film that we've never had before where like monsters fighting each other <laughs> yeah
2: well i mean that does seem like the kind of thing that would make a interesting rebels episode
0: I mean, yeah, for an animated it, it beats yeah, AP5
2: singing in space, that's for sure. Ah, uh, boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, just, all I got to say about that, thankfully we got three more awesome episodes to follow that. Yeah, which
2: is, <laughs> is hilarious. We'll, we'll obviously get more into the Rebels stuff a little bit later. But, I mean, I'm getting the sense, like, you dislike that episode even more than I do, which is... I mean, I wouldn't say it's saying something because it's not like I despise it. Maybe it's just because you warned me ahead of time. Like you said that that was the Rebels Evil Plans episode. And so I went into it with my expectations very, very low. And I was like, is it the greatest episode? No. Like it was mediocre. But in the grand scheme of things, like it wasn't Evil Plans bad. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't say.
0: But, you know. Yeah. Instead of going, giving a full blown review, I'll just say. That ending sequence took me out of the whole episode of the story they were trying to tell. Just like, you know, seeing R2 go through a spa <laughs> in yeah. Evil plan. So, yeah, probably worst episode of the season, I'll just say that. Yeah.
2: Well, see, I guess the thing for for me with Evil Plans, like, it felt like they were trying to tell a serious story with Cad Bane and all that. Whereas, you know, this episode, like, uh, what I'm blanking on the name. Did we just say it? Or Double H droids. Yeah. Uh it from the get go just felt like a filler episode. You know, it's like the rest of the team is gone. It's just Hera and the droids, and she sends them off on, you know, their own little mission and there's some random uh you know, villain of the week, uh, you know, lobot guy played by Josh Gad, who was just sort of you know, so it just kinda of felt like, you know, celebrity cameo, like random, unmemorable villain just you know like i was never in like all that invested in the story to begin with i was like okay i'll just watch this for entertainment and uh wait for
0: the darth maul episode next week biggest significance out of that episode we now know what uh characters in the star wars universe call bathrooms refreshers <laughs> that is now official canon that was the first time they'd mentioned that first time i've heard of it i think you've even seen like a bathroom with you know toilets installed and uh, on a ship and all that. So, oh, see, I don't even remember. I was paying obviously
2: a little enough attention that I don't even remember seeing
0: it. You don't remember AP5 uh, disturbing Wedge <laughs> right before he was about to go to the bathroom? <laughs> oh, right,
2: yeah. I just remember in the episode before, or I don't know if it was the one right before that, but the uh, through Imperial Eyes where it starts off with Callus' first-person point of view. And yeah, Dave Filoni was like, I think I made the first sink in Star Wars.
0: Well, now we've seen the
2: first toilets in Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Anyway. um, See, how did we get from...
0: I don't know. Like a Zillow Bees versus robotic monkey. (laughs) Yeah, and how
2: that would make a better Rebels episode than Double Agent Droid. So there you go. Um, Now, let's talk about Rogue One for a bit. Um, And like we said, that is coming out on DVD and Blu-ray this coming Tuesday, April 4th. It's already out on digital and iTunes and all that stuff. I'm waiting for the Blu-ray, Tim. I'm sure you've probably already watched it on digital a couple times.
0: No, you see, I... Decided to, you know, hold out for the Blu-ray because as much as it's been hard this week seeing tweets from a bunch of Star Wars fans saying how they're enjoying Rogue One is like, I'm going to pay $20 for it. But then I get the digital code with the multiple copies I'm going to (laughs) buy on Mm -hmm. Blu-ray. So it's like, uh, it's hard to justify the digital purpose or purchase of it just a week before it comes out. So decided to take Obi-Wan's advice and heed patience. So (laughs) uh,
2: Yeah, well, I'm right with you there. I haven't uh, bought it yet. In fact, I'm proud of myself because even, I mean, now that it's out, I've, I keep seeing people on, like, Facebook and YouTube and stuff just posting the Vader scene. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I want to see that again. But I never click on it because I'm like, you know what? As badly as I want to watch that again, I want to watch it in the context of the whole movie. A, because I love the movie as a whole, and, I mean, the Vader scene at the end is just, like, the icing on the cake, but it's not, like, You know, it's far from the only good thing about the movie. But also, it's just one of those things that, you know, was just so awesome watching the first time that I don't want to just watch just that scene over and over again and just cheapen it um, and have it be like, oh, yeah, been there, done that. Plus, I feel like if I just watch it a couple of times on YouTube, it'll be like, you know, that was shorter than I remember. Um, You know, I I just want to watch it within the context of the whole movie because I mean part of what makes it so awesome is not just that scene itself although I mean just the music and Vader igniting that lightsaber and you know just being a one man wrecking crew on those rebels like that is 95% of the appeal of that scene but the the extra 5% that makes it so perfect is just the dramatic build up too of like the whole movie and the fact that, you know, we saw Vader once before, but it was just him talking and, like, threatening Krennic. And now at the very end we see, you know, why everybody fears this guy. Um, but also just the – it just being at the end of, you know, that end battle and that end scene too. Um, you know, from when his Star Destroyer jumps out of hyperspace um, to, you know, stop the rebel fleet and, you know, just building the, the tension and the drama all the way from there. Um, I don't. know. I mean, I could go on and on about you know why I love that movie and that ending and that scene and and all that stuff. But, um,
1: yeah, it, plus, it's
2: definitely something that I want to enjoy as a whole and not just kind of pick and choose my favorite parts and and just beat those to death.
0: And plus, for me, I don't know if you're like this too, but when you get a movie that you absolutely love, when, especially when it comes to Star Wars, and you're gonna watch it for the first time at home, I like to have the first experience of watching it be the whole movie and then I'll watch all my favorite scenes over and over again. But yeah, for that first time when you're going to watch it at home, I like it to be, you know, the movie all the way through. So yeah, definitely agree.
2: In fact, I mean, I don't usually just go and watch specific scenes either. It's usually just, if I'm going to watch the movie, I watch the movie, but
0: yeah, but I a mean, well, scene like that Vader sequence. Sometimes you just get the itch to watch it again. Yeah.
2: And <laughs> so. sometimes I do watch specific stuff, you know, just like on YouTube or whatever. Um, but yeah, with that one, and yeah, like especially like you said, when, when I pick it up on Blu-ray and bring it home for the first time, I'm not going to be like, okay, let's skip to the last five minutes. I'm like, no, I'm going to watch the whole thing.
0: Yep. See, my plan is to, hopefully, I mean, if I start it early enough, <laughs> when I watch it for the first time, watch Rogue One, then immediately watch A New Hope, because I wanted to do that since I've it in the movies for the first time, so now I'll be able to do that.
2: Oh, so you never did watch it... Um... Like you you didn't get to watch a new hope like right after seeing rogue one in the theater at
0: all. No, never did it where it went to the theater, came home and popped in the new hope. I haven't done that. Part of me wanted to save it for the blu-ray anyway, because it's just to have it be so seamless where you just take the discount and pop in the next one. And you spend, you know, four hours watching star Wars mm. for two movies that should, you know, go together seamlessly. So I'm looking yeah. forward to doing that.
2: Now, here's one thing I would suggest though, when it comes to like jumping around to scenes and stuff, Um, and I think I might've talked about this before, like back when Rogue One first came out, but I, I had one time where I went and saw Rogue One and then came home and watched A New Hope from the beginning on Blu-ray. I had another time where I, I saw Rogue One and then either like that night or the next day or something happened to see that A New Hope was on TV on like TNT or something. And I just flipped over to it and it was like halfway through the movie and it was them like escaping the Death Star and going to Yavin. And I kind of actually enjoyed that more like watching Rogue One and then just jumping right into the Death Star assault Um, because it feels like a more – sort of complete version of just that story. Um, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're looking for just sort of the the conclusion to, like, what was started in Rogue One, because if you watch Rogue One and then watch A New Hope from the beginning, like, yeah, it picks up right where Rogue One left off with, you know, the Tantive Four being chased by Vader and stuff. But then you take an, a, a detour for an hour to go meet Luke and Obi-Wan and Han and discover what the Force is and, you know, the Millennium Falcon and all this kind of stuff. And... I mean, while I love all that stuff, and obviously, you know, A New Hope is a great movie, like, in in some sense, if you're hoping for it all to become, like, one big four-hour movie, it's like suddenly it takes this big detour where the Death Star plans aren't really the main focus of it anymore, where they were for all of Rogue One. Yeah, I get um, what you're saying there. So just kind of my two cents on that. Yeah. But obviously, you know, if you haven't watched them back-to-back yet, I would definitely say, you know, do it for the experience, and then, you know, let me know what you think. I mean, maybe you'll like it more than i did and not that i didn't like it it just it it felt like more of a disconnect than i was Hmm, expecting um because even though like i said the end of one runs right into the beginning of the other then not long after that you get introduced to a whole bunch of characters and themes and stuff that rogue one really had nothing to do with um whereas if you just want sort of the continuing storyline of like the rebels fighting the empire and trying to blow up the death star then you know you can watch rogue one and then just like jump halfway into a new hope and like pick that right up again
0: yeah that makes sense and i'm sure you know i'm sure someone maybe even did it now since it's available on digital but there's going to be an edit somewhere where you got all of rogue one and then kind of the scenes that relate to it from a new hope kind of what you were talking about the beginning then when they get to the death star and some of the scenes on the death star between uh tarkin Vader and then leaving up to the final battle and yeah so i'm sure there's going to be some edit out there (laughs) that someone's Mm going to make i haven't seen it but i think i saw it like some tweets on YouTube about it, how someone edited together the ending of Rogue One and just seamlessly seamlessly transitions to the beginning of A New Hope without, you know, like the opening uh, crawl and all that, just one edit to the next. So I got to check that out to see how that works. After I watch them both, back-to-back kind of going back to what i said before before i see any other edits with rogue one a new hope i just want to watch both movies in full back-to-back then i'll explore all those different fan edits that i'm sure will be out there mm-hmm.
2: um yeah and i'm sure yeah like you said there's a lot of different stuff people will probably be able to do with it um but it is cool just you know that it, it transitions so seamlessly from one end to the other um but also you know obviously. Yeah, we'll be able to have the movie, um, lots of uh, not deleted scenes, but like featurettes and behind the scenes kind of stuff we'll be able to check out. Um, and there's been a lot of that um, kind of coming out online over the past couple of weeks, too. Not like the bonus features themselves, but a lot of interviews with the uh, director and cast and crew and stuff um, talking about the movie, you know, in preparation for its release. But a lot of it actually has been pretty insightful as far as um just sort of kind of getting glimpses into like the process and kind of how the movie evolved over time um for one thing gareth edwards explained why there are no deleted scenes on the rogue one blu-ray i know we talked about that last time and why we were kind of surprised or maybe disappointed that there was nothing in there um but his explanation he says there's not an individual scene that you can drag and drop and put on a blu-ray there are little things that would come and go during the process of post-production but they're not scenes they're more moments within the scenes or a single shot so it's impossible to be able to do that and that's why the decision was made Um, the stuff people talk about like what they saw in the trailer they're not scenes you can just put on a dvd they're moments within scenes and threads and you pull a thread and it all changes And it was changing the whole time. It's not like there was one version and then there was this other version. It was like this thing that incrementally evolved constantly through all of post-production and didn't stop until there was a gun at our heads and we were forced to release the movie. Um, Which I think makes sense because, I mean, when you think about a lot of this stuff, like the deleted stuff that we've seen in the trailers, um, I mean, we know the TIE Fighter shot was you know, something that, like, the marketing team just liked and wanted to put in all the trailers. And uh, there was even, you know, another... I think it was with Gareth Edwards, like, a different interview um, about this where he said, um, like, that never went anywhere. Like, people always wanted to, like, well, what happened in that scene? Like, did, you know, was was that originally going to be Jin's end? Like, was the TIE fighter going to sh- shoot her? Was there, like, a rebel in there who would commandeered the TIE fighter? Was an X-Wing going to fly by and shoot the TIE fighter down? And he's, like it was just kind of like a conceptual thing. Like we never really finished that or never really went anywhere with it. And, you know, the marketing team just wanted to use it for the trailers, but you know, we never like planned anything after that. So like, there's no answer to that question. Um, and you know, also, I mean, we hear so much about sort of the, the reshoots and the way that sort of the direction of the movie as a whole was changed. So it's not like they changed one specific scene or they took out one thing here or there, but, um, I mean, even if you think about the fact that um you, you that other I think another big shot that people talk about missing from the trailers is like when you see uh Jin running along the beach and like you the camera tilts up and the uh walker like fires down right at her. Um, I think it was like the very end of that first trailer. Um that was part of like the original edit before the reshoots, which was and I think we had kind of speculated about this and they, they kind of confirmed this theory, um, you know, talking about all this stuff, that originally the the data tapes and the comm tower were in two separate places. And so Jin and Cassian had to like break into the the information center, steal the tapes, and then run across the beach in the middle of the battle to get to the comms tower. Um, and Gareth Edwards said that like that just I mean, as much as there was like a lot of cool stuff in there um, that they wanted to keep, that it just felt like it was slowing the movie down and that the ending was kind of, you know, paced too slowly or whatever. So that was what a lot of the reshoots were, was to sort of tighten that all up. And they put those things in the same place so that Jin and Cassian just were only ever in the one building. Um, So it's like if you were to put that as a deleted scene on the Blu-ray, it wouldn't really make sense because... Um, you know, I, I know those of us who are, like, hardcore fans and follow this kind of stuff, like, we want to see all those little things and know, like, oh, that was in this one version that we heard rumored early on and they, they changed it to this. But for, you know, the, the average consumer that just wants to see, like, some cool stuff that, you know, could have been in the final movie, they would be like, well, where would that fit in? Like, that doesn't really make sense. Um, you know, so a lot of it would have been, you know, just kind of confusing because it's not like you could stick it into... Um, what ended up being the final cut. Um, So for the most part, I'm okay with that explanation. I I still, I'm like, I'm sure there were probably a couple things that were in line with the story that you just had to cut for time's sake, probably because all movies do that. But I think a lot of the big stuff that people want to see, like stuff that was missing from the trailers and stuff is like, it's not in there because they completely changed the story. Not just because they had to cut one scene out here
0: or there. Yeah. It's a good explanation for those type of scenes. But like you just said, I just don't buy that. It's for everything from the whole movie where there's not one actual or several deleted scenes, you know, that like it had to be cut because it didn't fit right or went on too long. I mean, one that comes to mind is uh, the early, well, the first look we got, Saul Guerrero, that first teaser, where he's, you know, telling Jim, that what would you do if they catch you? What did they do if they break you? And I think that was the moment probably that happened a little bit after he rescues her from that bunker i mean i'm speculating here but it seems to line up with that so it seems like there's a scene there that was just cut for whether it was time or it kind of dragged the movie on a little bit so i think there's got to be more than just that one and other ones like that so yeah it's a a reason that reasonable explanation if that's all there was but i just don't buy that that's all that was cut from the movie like you said i think there was some actual deleted scenes that they could have put on there but maybe there wasn't as many as or we're used to on normal deleted scene special features for blu-ray so maybe that's why they kept it out but mm-hmm. i don't know and still, It still a little weird why we're not getting any of them
2: it could also be that they just didn't think they were interesting enough to put on there too you know i mean i'm sure there's yeah, always a never lot stopped of stuff it
0: before though <laughs> in,
2: yeah well i mean yeah th- i mean sometimes deleted scenes can be hit or miss you know some it's like oh well okay whatever and some it's like oh that was pretty cool um but
0: pretty much all the ones of the Force Awakens were, you know, pretty uninteresting, besides Kylo Ren walking on the Falcon, and they still put those other ones on there. But
2: yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, well, I mean, I did think the the speeder bike chase or you know, the the snow speeder, whatever you want to call it, chase thing was pretty cool, except it was, you know, very rough and unfinished. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I mean, they've they've got their reasons. And I'm I not. still
0: think we're going to get them eventually. Well, and I was going to say, why.
2: too, like, I would not be surprised if we end up with stuff on, like, a collector's edition Blu-ray because, and I don't know how much the directors have to do with this. I mean, it's probably more up to, like, the marketing teams and the home video people and whatever, but I still specifically remember J.J. Abrams saying, you know, to my knowledge, like, when, when The Force Awakens came out, on dvd the first time and him saying like to my knowledge they're not holding back any deleted scenes or anything for like a a second release when that's exactly what they were doing and (laughs) i don't know if he was just lying to us or if disney just didn't tell him the plans and he was like i directed the movie it's out now here you go like it's not really up to me anymore um but it's like yeah disney will always find more ways to make money off of this stuff and they're not going to play all their cards at once
0: yeah, that's for darn sure, especially when it comes to Star Wars. Yeah, I've experienced too many re-releases to know that this is the only version of Rogue One we're going to get. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure.
2: Um, but yeah, I mean, and so like I said, um, I mean, there's been a lot of other you know interviews and kind of behind the scenes stuff going on, going around you know on the web lately. I know Entertainment Weekly did like a five part, you know, info dump on. You know all kinds of stuff, um, so we're not going to go through like all of that. But Tim, was there anything else um, besides what we just talked about that you know particularly like grabbed your attention or that you thought was you know kind of cool or
0: interesting? Well, what I'll say about pretty much all those different uh, details we learned about the movie, like early drafts and story ideas, pretty much for the most part, we got the better versions in the final film. Because mm-hmm. when I read most of those, I'm glad I'm all I'm glad that didn't happen or it worked out better uh, in the final film and what we got. So. I'm thankful for that. Like Krennic's original death scene, it's kind of what we all figured was going to happen by being choked by Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what happened in the movie actually was more poetic and more fitting for yes. his demise. just being destroyed by the Death Star, the thing he helped create. Yeah. So stuff like that. And then uh, Jin's mom, uh, Lyra, maybe or was originally going to be a Jedi. I just thought, uh, you know, I'm glad they didn't go that route because they really wanted this movie to, you know, be the one that didn't have too many ties to the Jedi or the force. We just got the perfect amount in the final movie with Chirrut. And if they actually have someone in a Jedi, then the main character be connected to the Jedi. It just would have felt, you know, it wouldn't feel like the standalone movie they were setting out to be something that's different from the saga films, which deals with all that stuff. So yeah, most of those original ideas, I think we got the better uh, story in the end with the final film. The only one that I thought could have been cool was uh, the original concept or backstory for Bodhi where he was captured by Saw Guerrera's band of rebels instead of being a defector But then eventually kind of grows to you know understand the rebellion and join them almost like a Stockholm syndrome type of thing hmm. So that was interesting. They said he's a little more crazy, too Well, he wasn't crazy in the, in the final movie But they said they was more like a madman in the original concept of his character So that would have been interesting, but at the same time, too, I'm perfectly fine with uh, Bodhi and the backstory we got in the, the final film. So, in the end, I think everything worked out for the best with what we got.
2: Yeah, me too. I mean, especially what you were saying with, um, yeah, with Krennic's death scene. Like, I wouldn't have been disappointed if he got killed by Vader. It's just that was that's what we were all expecting, hmm. and I think it, it related so well to sort of the subplot with like you know his conflict with Tarkin and sort of that power struggle and. uh you know, the, the Death Star kind of being his baby and he wanted to take all the credit for it and get all the glory and it's like, you know, now you're really just a cog in Palpatine's machine and he's not afraid to, you know, have you build this great weapon and then take it from you and blow you up with it. Like, you know, it, it's...
0: I like how you said that. It sounded like how Anakin said it in the Phantom Menace. <laughs> and I'll blow you up. You up.
1: <laughs> Boom! <laughs>
0: how woo.
2: Uh, continue on Uh. (laughs) Um, but yeah it's like I mean you almost feel sorry for him there like he's been Mm -hmm. such a sort of unlikable character up to that point I mean not you know not saying he's a bad character like he's one of those like interesting characters that you like to watch but like he's a bad person and you don't want to see him succeed but at the end like you almost feel bad for him there that he's so ambitious and so proud and to see like his baby you know and and have I mean it would be like watching somebody like steal an Iron Man suit put it on and like shoot Tony Stark with it you know it's like man he built this thing that was like really cool and really iconic and and now he's gone and nobody's ever going to remember him because they used that to blow him up um but yeah it was it was perfect Um, they also said, you know, like K2 was originally supposed to get killed by Krennic. Um, and they thought, you know, they, they changed his death scene to, to make it, uh, you know, a lot more sort of heroic and meaningful. And I like that a lot. Um, I guess the only things that I wish they had kept in there that I've heard that, you know, ended up getting scrapped or cut out is that there were originally going to be more locations and that things ended up kind of getting scaled down just for time. Like originally at the beginning of the movie, the rebels would have been on Dantooine um, and then we actually would have seen like halfway through the movie, them move from Dantooine to Yavin 4. And so, you know, we would see like that abandoned base that Leia was talking about. Um, in a new hope that she, you know, tries to give Tarkin as a decoy. Um, And, you know, they said they ended up just moving the whole thing to Yavin just because it would have been more expensive to build two different rebel base sets instead of one. So they're like, you know, let's just keep it in the same place. Um, And then also, I guess, originally Saw Gerrera's outpost or hideout or whatever was supposed to be on some, like... I forget exactly what it was. I think it was in an you know another Gareth Edwards interview where he was talking about this, but some something that sounded really cool. It was some kind of like a moon with like an electrically charged atmosphere or something like that. Um, I forget what the exact description was, but you know again it was like they said, okay, well you know for you know time and budget reasons, let's cut out this one extra stop that they have to make and just put him on Jetta with everybody else. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that, you know, I think worked out fine in the final movie. It's just, you know, there could have been even more cool stuff for us to see. But, um, yeah, like you said, for the most part, I think what we ended up getting in the the final version was pretty much perfect. And you know what? For all the people that were worried about the reshoots, we told you so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Nothing to worry about there. It was a good thing, that's for sure. Yeah,
2: I mean, how many times did we say, like, even if the movie is in trouble and even if they are unhappy with it and they're going back to do reshoots, it's like, why are you freaking out? Like, that should be a good thing. It means they're going to fix the problems, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, while they've still got, like, several months left before it comes out. It's not like, you know, they're saying, oh, it's getting, you know, bad press or, you know, the, the company's unhappy with it, like, three weeks before it comes out. It's like, no, they still got plenty of time. So if there are issues... Good. Go fix them. And they did. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm glad everything worked out the way it did.
0: And hopefully we can just avoid all the panic for when The Last Jedi has reshoots because, you know, it's going to have them also. Yeah.
2: Well, and again, I mean, every movie has reshoots. And I think it is fair to say that with Rogue One, the reshoots were more extensive than, you know, maybe... Uh, you know would be normal for for a movie like this um because sometimes you know you maybe go back you retweak a scene or two or you you try to get a better performance out of an actor or something or you decide to add something or take something out or whatever but it really does seem like they um they had to reshoot a lot of stuff just to sort of change the direction of things a little bit um you know like i said it's not like they had to just like re you know shoot more footage for the the battle scene they had to shoot entirely new scenes with, like, you know, Jin and Cassian inside the, the comms tower and stuff with all the data tapes and stuff because that wasn't originally where all that was supposed to take place. um. So, you know, it's like, was there, cons- like, cause for concern? Yeah, maybe. Like, it, it does sound like they had, you know, more work to do than normal. And, you know, we were hearing rumors that, like, Disney maybe had concerns about it and stuff, and I'm sure some of that was valid because... You know, as much as I'm a believer that you can't, uh, you know, believe everything you read on the internet, I'm also kind of a believer of the idea that where there's smoke, there's fire. Like when you hear something enough times, like it's coming from somewhere. And that doesn't necessarily mean like everything about it is true, but there's probably at least a little bit of truth to it if you keep hearing the same thing over and over. Um, but yeah, like I said, it just it ended up all working out just fine in the end. So, um, reshoots are definitely not a bad thing
0: nope especially if they included more death Trooper shots so i don't know if that was the case but (laughs) if if it was then they were definitely a great thing yeah i don't know well
2: hey i mean now that we've seen them on rebels though and uh you know in the visual guide it does say like these weren't specifically krennic's guys like they were just sort of they were like elite troopers that were kind of assigned as bodyguards to like the highest ranking uh imperial officials and so you know we saw them with Krennic first but now you know we've seen them with Thrawn and Rebels like we could see a lot more of these guys in future uh you know animated series and video games and standalone films and all that kind of stuff too so um I'm sure I'm sure you're just uh (laughs) you know so bummed about that
0: (laughs) uh see I I lost myself a little bit of just imagining a dreamlike state i'll be in if that happens before <laughs> death troopers. movies animated series comics too ah, it's going to be a great era of death troopers
2: <laughs> yeah well they are pretty dang cool and a very welcome addition to the pantheon of star wars trooper armor
0: oh yes they're firmly seated at number two right underneath the clone troopers so <laughs> they moved pretty high pretty quickly for me
2: yeah i was gonna say that's that's Pretty high, you know, knowing how much you love all the different troopers and stuff. Although, clone troopers does cover a, a wide spectrum, but um, yeah, there's. I guess there's,
0: specifically phase two armor that we see in Revenge of, Revenge of the Sith. If you want to get super specific, the 501st <laughs> with the blue colored scheme. Can't
2: argue with that, especially if you throw in, you know, Rex's phase two armor, too.
0: Mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> doesn't get any
2: cooler than that in my opinion yeah not really that is kind of hard to top um well anyway um like i said there's a lot more of this rogue one behind the scenes info out there now so if you want to you know go read some interviews um like i said i know entertainment weekly's got a lot um and i mean chances are if you keep up on star wars news like we do you've probably seen this popping up you know, in various places for the past week or two. Um, but also, like we said, the movie will be out on Blu-ray on Tuesday, so then you can just watch all the behind the scenes features and stuff and hear people talk about all this. Um, so that'll be very cool. Also, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but Alan Tudic is gonna be at Phoenix Comic-Con this summer, which you know, I try to go to every year. I live here in Arizona, so I'm gonna try really hard to get a media pass and see if I can maybe get an interview with him. I know it's going to be tough because like, you know, the, um, I know like the well-known, you know, movie and TV actors are, you know, always like the toughest ones to book interviews with. Um, but I don't think I've ever really tried before cause they usually don't have a lot of like big name star Wars guests there. Um, like the first year I went, like Billy D Williams was there and I got his autograph, but I wasn't doing a podcast at that point. So I didn't have a, uh, a media pass or you know didn't try to book an interview or anything like that. So I'm gonna give this one a shot and see how it goes.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. Even if you just get a quick sound bite from him in his K2SO voice. That'd be really cool.
2: Oh yeah, there we go. Get him to do a new like intro for the podcast or something.
0: There you go. <laughs> um
2: and then we'll just have to hire like Matthew Wood or somebody from Skywalker Sound to make it sound like it's coming out of a droid.
0: <laughs> how hard can that be?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. Um so anyway, that's the stuff on Rogue One. Um, and let's briefly talk about a couple of updates on the Han Solo movie. Um, actually, Bob Iger, I guess, recently shared a couple tidbits of information about this. Um, he said the movie will follow Han from age 18 through 24. So that will be interesting that it spans that much time. Like, we've never seen that in a Star Wars movie before. Um, and so I'm sure, like, a lot of some of the characters that we've uh been you know get well I mean we don't really know specific characters except for like Lando and Chewie that are going to be in it but um some of the different actors and the characters that they'll be playing like some might be coming in and out of the story at various points um but yeah it's gonna be follow him from age 18 to 24 and we'll show him finding the falcon meeting Chewbacca and getting his name um which is interesting like I mean, on the one hand, like yeah, who names their kid Han Solo? But on the other hand, like it's hard to imagine him being named anything else. So, um, I mean, that's just sort of an interesting kind of uh, you know little sneak reveal, I guess, right there that Han Solo is not his actual name. Um, and we'll... is he?
0: I could, yeah, that definitely could be the case. But I could also think that maybe it means, you know, in a way, getting his reputation. Like building the name of Han Solo That's or, true. you know, in the smuggler realm becomes, you know, pretty recognizable. So, although, I, I mean, it could be either or, but it would be interesting to find out if that really isn't his name. And kind of, you know, as we'll talk about in the next part with Woody Harrelson, maybe he figures into that because it uh, looks like he's really is going to be the mentor figure to Han in this film. And maybe he gives him that name. We don't know. But I know that was the report about that story that got the most attention was his name, how he's going to get it. But to me, the biggest thing is the time gap. Like you mentioned, we're going to see about six years of Han Solo's life. Like in that time, like you said, we never got in a star Wars movie before. I think that could be really cool. And just interesting to see how they pull it off. I mean, are they going to, I mean, don't age too much around that time as far as looking different, but I wonder if they're going to have them, you know, maybe look a little younger than Alden Aaron Reich actually is using that, you know, the CG effect, where they make him look a little younger i don't know if they'll do that but i think it's going to be cool from a story standpoint to see you know who he runs into and meets for the first time and what part of his life like who's he going to meet first Chewie, orlando during at age 19 or whatnot so i'm just really curious to see how they're going to pull that off story-wise and I, but and the concept sounds cool that so i'm just glad we're going to see a good substantial amount of han solo's early years in the movie so mm-hmm. which has me excited
2: yeah i don't think you even need cgi to make a 20 something year old guy look 18 like you can just do a little makeup and you know maybe give him a different haircut or something and just have somebody in the story say
0: that he's 18
2: and people will believe it
0: um yeah it's true but you know sometimes a part of things of the special effects team just can't help themselves as far like a challenge thing (laughs) is just like to see how much better we can get with this technology
1: yeah i know but but then um, again
0: like you said Alden Rex already a young guy, <laughs> and, you know, you don't need to do too much tinkering with his face to make him look even younger. Yeah,
2: definitely. I'm always iffy about them, like, doing digital stuff on people's faces, because sometimes you can tell, and it's just like, eh. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it could also be a thing, like... I doubt somebody's going to be saying like, Han, hey, you're 18. And then, you know, at the end of the movie being like, oh, man, I haven't seen you in six years. Like, you must be, what, 24 now? Um, You know, it it Mm -hmm. probably like this might be something that you find out, like in the visual guide or something like that. And you might be able to just tell during the movie that there's like a passage of time that covers like a few years or something. But we don't necessarily need to know his exact age.
0: Um, But it also makes me think, too, if if it's possible, you know, where it's not going to be a standard linear movie storytelling where you know we start from one point of his life and we just see it progress chronologically in the film or it could be something that's told in a non-linear way almost similar to batman begins where throughout the course of the first half of the movie we're seeing different eras of bruce wayne's life as a little kid when he comes back from college when he you know goes off off the train so i wonder if we're gonna get something like that where in different aspects of the main time frame we're going to be in the movie if something triggers a flashback in Han's mind that takes him back to a certain event that happened a few years ago cuz that's another thing we haven't really seen in a Star Wars movie which could work in a pretty cool way with Han Solo in this one so Yeah,
2: that would definitely be interesting to see. Um I mean, I feel like just with the tone that they're going for that like I don't know how well that would fit like to be jumping around like that. I mean, it definitely seems like a more Christopher Nolan approach to take with like a more complicated story whereas mm-hmm. if it's just, you know, Kind of a uh adventure with you know Han and chewie and Lando and a bunch of smugglers and stuff like I don't know if you really need to jump around the timeline that much, but um I don't know we'll, we'll see uh you know how that all plays out um obviously, like still really excited for this movie, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun, especially now that we know like we're gonna see him meeting Chewbacca for the first time, we're gonna see him getting the Falcon for the first time, and it's not gonna be um. You know, sort of jumping into a point like you know before a new hope, but where he's already got all that stuff established, um and also exactly, so with, with the name, you want to see. yeah, and with the name thing. I mean, again, not that they have to stick with this backstory, but I think in the EU, it, kind of the idea was that like Han was an Imperial cadet, and then just decided to escape and freed this Wookiee slave who then owed him a life debt, and you know followed him around, you know, on on all his adventures. Um, But they kind of just, like, helped each other escape, you know, Imperial captivity or whatever. Um, And if they end up going a similar route here, um, as far as, you know, Han, like, deserting the Empire and stuff, then it kind of would make sense for him to change his name um, as he's, like, you know, probably being on the run and just kind of assuming a new identity and stuff like that. Um, Because... Yeah, I mean, for one thing, like, on on the one hand, it would be hard to, like, find one person on the run in this huge galaxy, but on the other hand, like, yeah, it probably would make sense to change your name if you're an Imperial cadet and you're, you know, hoping they're not going to be able to track you down. So um, that could be one explanation for it.
0: Yeah, and honestly, if there's one thing they're going to keep from the eu that makes it into the official new canon i hope it's that because i I'd always love that backstory of how han met chewie how he he was an imperial cadet but saw how he was being mistreated and just even being a slave and he had to help him and you know that made him leave the academy and be on the run for a bit so if that mm-hmm. could be translated into the movie i would be really happy but yeah. even if it's not where he was with the empire he could still work in a cool way where he was on an important smuggling job and he had to get out of there as, quick as quickly as possible. But then he sees Chewie being mistreated and maybe abused or beaten by stormtroopers, slavers, or some aspect of the Empire having him as a slave. And he chooses to save Chewie instead of, you know, taking care of the job. And the job goes um, goes bad, and everything. That's maybe the thrust of the movie that where it picks up from or that one job that was so important it doesn't get done. And then it just, you know, has a chain reaction of a different event that's going to happen in the movie because Han chose to do the good thing and save Chewie. So some aspect, as long as it's there where he has to leave something important in order to save Chewie, it can have that same effect, even if it's not officially like the EU story where he's with the empire.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, wh- whatever way they choose to go with it, I'm sure that's going to be, um, yeah, you know, just really cool. Obviously, seeing all that stuff for the first time. Um, yep. You know, seeing
0: I'm already gonna make the prediction now. Seeing Han and Chewie meet for the first time—it's gonna be my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> I'm saying it now. Yeah, probably.
2: Um, although, I mean, seeing him win the Falcon from Lando is gonna be pretty cool too. I mean, I'm assuming it says showing him, show him finding the Falcon. We all know the Falcon belonged to Lando before Han. I mean, unless Han had it first and, like, lost it to Lando and then got it back or something, but...
0: um, (laughs) I hope it's not like
2: that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think so. I I think, you know, we're probably going to... uh, I mean, uh, who knows? Maybe we'll even see, like, Han and Lando together and maybe, like, Lando steals it while they're on a job or something. And so you see, like, the two of them Mm. together, but technically it's, like, Lando's ship. Um, But, you know, however that ends up happening... I'm just saying, like, the first time we see the Falcon won't be han getting it for the first time yeah. um but yeah i mean just seeing all that stuff come together for the first time is gonna be pretty awesome definitely um and then also i mean this is just a small thing here woody harrelson um talked a little bit about his character uh you know he's on an appearance on uh the tonight show with jimmy fallon and uh You know, pretty much all he said, he said he'll be playing a character named Beckett, uh, who's a criminal but also serves as a mentor figure to Han. um, And, you know, gave no further details about the story or anything like that. But uh, there we go. Now we have a name. Now, I'm actually
0: surprised he revealed that much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I am too. But it's like, you know, we're we're not going to spend an hour dissecting that like we did when uh, The Last Jedi was revealed as the title
0: for episode eight. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> what can the name Beckett possibly mean? Does he have a good arm like the pitcher Josh Beckett? <laughs> the Red Sox the <laughs> that's that's my only, my only inclination to the name. I just associate it with the baseball player. <laughs> that's yeah. my only speculation. Yeah, I didn't even think of
2: that. But um I mean I think we had heard, you know, rumors before that he might be uh sort of like a mentor figure to Han, so that is kind of confirmed, I guess, but um other than that, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what kind of guy this Beckett figure is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this movie just sounds like it's going to be full of fun, uh, scummy, villainous type characters.
0: <laughs> yep. Bring it on.
2: Yeah, um so uh moving on beyond the movie stuff, just real quick, this is something that actually came out after our after we recorded our last episode, but before we posted it, so we hadn't gotten a chance to mention this. Um and I know Tim, you're you know, big into the comics and stuff, and uh there's this new Darth Vader comic series that was just announced. Um and I think they they just ended the last Vader comic, right?
0: Yeah, a few yeah, months ago wrapped the, up.
2: Takes place like before episode or between episodes four and five. Well, now they're about to start another one that takes place in between episodes three and four, and is um, sort of about you know his his beginning his journey as a Sith Lord and sort of how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. Um, I mean, we saw obviously Anakin turn to the dark side and get put in the suit and revenge of the Sith, but you know now seeing sort of how he starts this new life. um and, you know, sort of taking on his his place within the Empire and taking on this mantle of Sith Lord and whatnot. I mean, it says the first arc is going to revolve around Vader's construction of his red lightsaber, so, um, I mean, I'm sure that'll be, you know, awesome, really cool stuff to see. I might even check this out at some point, you never know, but I say that with a lot of the comic series, and I just need to, like, get caught up at some (laughs) point.
0: Yeah, I cannot wait for this series to start, because the Darth Vader comic series that launched when Marvel uh, got the right back, like to publish Star Wars comics again. That was probably the best one out of all of them. But this one I think has the potential to be even better just because of the era it's taking place in right after Revenge of the Sith. I mean, in the interview that Charles Soule did, he said it picks up immediately after he uh, screams out the now infamous no. <laughs> We're going to see what happens next right after that. So, And then, like you mentioned, seeing him construct his red lightsaber, that's going to be really cool to learn how that came about. Did he, you know, built it from scratch. Is it an old Jedi lightsaber that he, you know, had to turn into the Sith color of red? Because in the Ahsoka book, it kind of laid out pretty cool how uh, the Inquisitors uh, transformed those light, their lightsabers, uh, their kyber crystal, to red. So if we see more of that, I think that could be really cool. So I just can't wait to learn this part of Vader's history that hasn't been explored too much, especially in the new canon. So I cannot wait for this one to get started
2: yeah um so let's see does it say in here when this is going to uh debut uh
0: june it's gonna be the first issue will be out in june yeah
2: oh, okay yeah so you comic fans keep an eye out for that um sounds like there'll definitely be some cool storylines and you know more vader insights and stuff in there i mean obviously after rogue one it's like now can any of us like have too much vader i don't think so
0: no <laughs> That's impossible.
2: Yeah. In fact, oh, you know what, though? Ooh. I wonder if this, I mean, you know, if later on in this comic series, if it'll show him getting his fortress for the first time, too.
0: Oh, that was a very impossible mean, idea. That, that would, yeah. would
2: kind of seem like the next logical step after him getting his lightsaber and then yeah. you know, executing some Jedi there and having the rebels fear it as the place the Jedi go to die.
0: Yeah, just getting more of the reasoning or why Palpatine wants them to live there. I mean, we pretty much know why, but just to hear it from Palpatine, I think it'd be really cool, too. Yeah, this book has so much potential that, like I said, in the era that it's taking place and to reveal some really, really cool stuff. So, yeah, I yep. can't wait for it. Now I want to get it. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but we'll see if I actually end up doing that.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, he said the same thing about the Darth Maul comic. I'm I am mean, safe to assume you haven't gotten the first issue of that one yet.
2: No, I haven't gotten that one yet, but I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember what I said about that when we first talked about it, but I I would, if I had a choice between the two right now, I would pick up the Vader comic over them all.
0: Definitely. I actually got to get the second issue. I didn't get my comics last week, so I'm one issue behind about on that one. But the first one was really good, so I'm pretty sure it's going to continue with this one. Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah, who knows? I might check that one out at some point, too. One of these days, I'll just buy, like, a whole bunch of the trade volumes and just, like, binge-read them.
0: Yeah, when you're retired, you have to worry about work. You're just going to catch up on all the many years of
2: Star Wars comics. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) gosh, dude. By the time I'm retired and have all that much time, there'll be, you know, enough to fill a whole library with just Star Wars stuff at the rate that stuff's coming out right now. Yep. (laughs) Um, All right, well... We've talked movies. We've talked comic books. I think it is time to talk some Star Wars Rebels. Um, in particular, we've got three, you know, uh, the the last three episodes of Season 3 that just wrapped up that uh, we want to discuss. But before we get to, to the finale, you know, let's start with uh, Twin Sons with the long-awaited showdown between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul. Um... Man, well, Tim, what what would you think? I'll I'll let you go first and then uh, jump in with my thoughts and, and reactions and stuff. I mean, I don't even know where to start with this.
0: <laughs> okay, so I should mention, too, this was the first episode I've watched all season on the app first on my iPad. Because when you got an event like this happening, Obi-Wan, Darth Maul, the final showdown, potentially, before we watched it, but... You know, more than likely, we all knew that was going to be the case. So I had to see it as soon as possible, so I watched it on on the app first. And uh, my initial first reaction to it when it was over, I couldn't help but feeling a a bit disappointed with it. I was like, uh, well, regardless of the quick fight sequence that happened with it, I just felt the episode overall as a whole just didn't, you know, leave me feeling the way I wanted to and was expecting to was something as monumental as this was going to be. But I sent the tweet out right after I watched it saying, it was like a picture of Yoda saying, like, meditate on this, this I will. <laughs> because it's not something I could form a final opinion on just by watching it that first time. I kind of had to I was, like, sleep on it, watch it again the next day, but I ended up watching it again, uh, like, three o'clock in the morning <laughs> that same night. And immediately on the second viewing, it kind of clicked for me at least the Obi-Wan and Maul stuff did because I will maintain right now that it's not the greatest episode of the series but it has one of the greatest moments ever in Star Wars animation or just in Star Wars in general that sequence with Obi-Wan and Maul they just nailed it and yeah while there are some who could feel that that final battle was a little anticlimactic and admittedly I kind of felt that way after seeing it the first time but thinking about it and then really watching it again there's really no other way it could be because I mean let's be honest we've got plenty of great Darth Maul Obi-Wan fights with the Phantom Menace being the tops and then more battles they had in duels in the Clone Wars they had some great ones in that too so it's not like we've never gotten a Darth Maul Obi-Wan rematch that lived up to their fight in the Phantom Menace we've gotten that but it's hard not to think as fans for their final battle it'll be some just as epic as what we got in episode one but That's why not all the fans are in charge of telling (laughs) the Star Wars stories. We got geniuses like Dave Filoni in charge of that in the animated realm. So this is the way Obi-Wan and Maul ended their fight. It it really was appropriate. And watching the Rebels recon and hearing Dave talk about it and Henry Gilroy, they really did beautifully said how, or beautifully explained how that was the right choice to end the fight on. It was just maybe two or three moves Obi-Wan and Maul did But the lead-up to that is what made it work. They were just staring at each other for a long while, ready to fight. Obi-Wan does his classic Episode Three pose, but then he goes to the more uh, Episode Four uh, battle stance that we see from him. And then Maul, he has the same stance as they're looking at each other, but I just can't help but think what's going through their mind at the time, just remembering their history together, all the battles they had, going back to the Phantom Menace where, should I do this or he might do that? I should pull this one back out or what's the best way to go about this. And I just think that Maul thought, you know, Obi-Wan's an old man. Now I could probably use the same move. I killed Qui-Gon Jin with as he was an older Jedi. And I didn't even pick up on that when I saw it the first few times. It wasn't until the rebels recon where I think it was Henry Gilroy who said it, that Maul used the same attack. He used to kill Qui-Gon on Obi-Wan. And the way that it makes perfect sense that it wouldn't work on Obi-Wan with his experience was fighting Darth Maul and being at that battle where Darth Maul killed Qui-Gon, of course it's not going to work on him, and that's what's going to give Obi-Wan the opportunity to deliver the final blow. So the fight sequence, it worked out perfectly, especially with the experience they've had and how much more experience Obi-Wan is with the Force now and, you know, knowing what he needs to do to... Not necessarily, even though he doesn't have the same, probably, physical abilities that he had in the prequels and the Clone Wars because he's older but still having the knowledge and the strength of the force to be more powerful than he's ever been. I kind of liken it to Dooku where in episode two, he's obviously not the most fast or skilled lightsaber uh, wielder when he fought Obi-Wan, Anakin and Yoda, but especially more so his fight with Anakin and Obi-Wan, he displayed how much more powerful he was to them, even though maybe Obi-Wan and Anakin had better lightsaber moves or skills. His, strengthen the force was able to beat them to beat them to in lightsaber combat. I felt it was kind of similar to this with Obi-Wan and Maul. His experience, now much wiser and stronger become with the force, he was able to take Maul out as quickly as he did. So that worked great, but my favorite part of it was the lead up to that battle. The dialogue between Obi-Wan and Maul was something I thought was going to be really great. And probably if I had one nitpick, I it just from die-hard fan of me. I was kind of hoping for a little more dialogue between them, a little more callbacks to the history that they had. Maybe Maul could have mentioned Satine, or Obi-Wan could have, and or Maul mentioning where this all began with their fight on Naboo. A little st- stuff and callbacks to the previous stories, but even though it, they didn't have that, it was still great dialogue from them. Obi-Wan, which is classic Obi-Wan, was what you would expect him to say. I felt the one thing that did harken back to an old story was the way Obi-Wan was telling Maul, you know, like, look what I've risen above and look what you're clinging on mm-hmm. to. Like, you'll never become stronger with all you want to have is hate and wanted to destroy. It was almost like his line of dialogue to him in uh, The Lawless, right before Maul kills teen, where Obi-Wan says, only the weak embrace the dark side. It was almost like a continuation of that conversation. I just loved it. But my favorite part of the whole episode and of that whole sequence And this is kind of what I was hoping for before I even saw the episode was that what got Obi-Wan to ignite that lightsaber? It was Maul realizing that he was protecting someone. And I don't think Mm -hmm. even a second goes by when Maul says protecting someone, the look on Obi-Wan's face, he just immediately ignites that lightsaber. It's like, okay, I have to do this now. (laughs) No more, you know, kind of try to talk uh, Maul out of doing this. He's mentioning or threatening my purpose here to protect Luke. And I just love that look he has on his face and the way he ignites his blue lightsaber. It was so good. So yeah, I love it now. I didn't have that high of opinion of it when I first saw it, but that was probably because I built it up too much and it was just so unexpected, but seeing it again, reflecting on it a lot, it just was great. It was beautiful in a way. So yeah, I am super happy with that showdown and just tip my hats off to the Dave Filoni and the crew who staged this and the performances from Sam Witwer and boy Steven Stanton nailed (laughs) Mm Obi-Wan, the Alec Guinness version of Obi-Wan it was, I, Stephen Stephen Stanton's very talented so I knew he was going to do a great job but I think he surpassed that it was almost, in certain lines he had, indistinguishable from Alec Guinness, it was that good so just all the way around that sequence and that moment in that episode was just perfect, I loved it
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything he said right at the end there. I think I had a little bit higher opinion of it the first time I saw it. Um, But for one thing, I think I had my expectations maybe set a little bit lower. Like, obviously, I expected the the showdown between Maul and Obi-Wan to be awesome, but I knew that wasn't going to be sort of like... I mean, it was the main focus of the episode, but I knew it wouldn't, like, take up the whole episode or whatever, like, I mean, we knew just from the episode description that we were gonna see a lot of Ezra in here, um, and also just, I mean, the fact that, yeah, that these guys are older, I mean, especially Obi-Wan, you know, being an older man now and you know living out in the desert by himself and the way we see the him the way that we see him fight with Vader in a new hope i was not expecting like some long spectacular epic duel uh you know taking place all over the desert and stuff um but i i like i wasn't sure what to expect but i was expecting something a little different from just like your typical epic climactic lightsaber duel that's why you know i i predicted you know kind of Half seriously predicted, half, you know, just fanboy wishing, you know, a couple episodes ago or whatever where I said, like, oh, maybe, you know, Maul will just – or Obi-Wan will just, like, lure him out into the desert and Maul will get, like, eaten by a crate dragon or something. Um, because I had a feeling like he would maybe win by, you know, by wit or, or skill or trickery or, like you were saying, by his wisdom and power of the Force over just, like, his physical skill. Um, which is – Kind of what happened here, except, you know, it, it was more of him just sort of winning a battle of wits. It was like he won a chess match almost. Because, um, yeah, like you said, they, they talked about that in the Rebels Recon, how these guys have fought so many times already that you see like this long kind of stare down between them and, and this like just sort of quiet tense build-up before they actually fight, and it's like they're both playing out the fight in their minds and trying to figure out what the other one is going to do, and that's why, like, once they actually start fighting, it doesn't take very long. Um, I guess I was, if anything, the thing that I was maybe the most disappointed by, and this is, it's a very small nitpick, like... Because I, I realized, I think probably in my second viewing, because I watched this like all the way through and then immediately as soon as it was over, backed it up to like just the the last commercial break and watched like the last 10 minutes of the episode again. um, And saw, you know, kind of like slowed it down to analyze like what happened in the fight. And I was like, wait, my, why did Maul just kind of have his lightsaber hilt up like that? Like was, he can't block a saber like with you know the hilt in the middle and then I was like oh he was trying to do the same move he did on Qui-Gon wasn't he but then I was like well why would he do that on Obi-Wan like knowing that Obi-Wan has seen that before and would probably you know be expecting it or something like I would have tried something new but then I'm thinking on the one hand I mean he he might have just you know over you know been overthinking things been like oh well he knows I could do that so he won't expect me to do that because he would think that you know I won't do that because I know that he would see it coming kind of thing um but it could also be I I think part of it too with you know Maul being a Sith and wanting revenge and everything a lot of it is probably just pride like he wanted the thrill of killing Obi-Wan the same way that he killed Mm -hmm. Qui-Gon and being like hey remember that like that is, you know, one of the most painful moments of your life, now you get to relive it by me killing you the exact same way. Like, that would be his ultimate revenge. Um, And Obi-Wan was like, nope, not falling for that. Um, But, man, I, I, I mean, once I saw it, like, I was surprised. I was like, whoa, that was quick. But then I was like, you know, it was perfect. Like, it fit the story of those two characters perfectly. I mean, again, how they've fought so many times and... But I I think it fit, you know, the the story, the setting, and the the purpose of the show as well. Because, I mean, they've talked before about how everything they do on Rebels has to kind of also serve the storyline of... Ezra and Kanan and the the ghost crew and you know those main characters so they weren't going to take a whole episode to just devote to Obi-Wan and Maul like for most of the episode you're following Ezra and it's not until you know the last third of the episode that Ezra meets Obi-Wan and is talking to him and then Obi-Wan sends him on his way and then it's just you know the last couple minutes is the confrontation between Obi-Wan and Maul and so it's like for the purpose of the show it's almost like yeah let's get this over with um But also for the purpose of the characters, it's like, man, we've been dragging this thing out for so long. Like, this is it. This is the final showdown. Like, we don't need it to be long and flashy and stuff. Just like, you know, Maul is like, I'm here to get my revenge. Obi-Wan's like, I'm here to stop you from getting to Luke because he's, you know, our only hope and I'm not going to let anything happen to him. And it's just like, no nonsense. Like, I mean, it, it felt just like a perfect ending to, you know, such a long drawn out history between these two characters and you know if they were still in their prime like at the time of the clone wars like yeah sure i would have wanted a a, and a uh longer and you know sort of more epic or more flashy fight but also i mean when you think about the fact that even though these guys are skilled warriors and they're skilled in the force and everything this is basically like two old men fighting each other so again like i thought it it just perfectly fit so many different needs of of the story and of these characters um and was just really cool um now I will also say it kind of helped for me I think that I didn't get to watch it right away that weekend I I was you know um like out of town that weekend doing other stuff and didn't get to watch the episode till like Monday night when I got back and I had already I mean I hadn't had it spoiled for me but I had heard like a couple of I mean, I had even talked to you and, uh, like my sister and one of my other friends had texted me and I was like, okay, I haven't watched it yet. So don't tell me anything, but kind of general impressions. Like, what did you think? And I kind of just got the the general sense from that to like, you know, that it wasn't what people expected. Um, and that, you know, it maybe was shorter than people were expecting or different than people were expecting. I I did have one friend who just texted me out of the blue and was like, Hey, what did you think of rebels? I I liked it, but I was disappointed that the fight was so short. And I was like, dude, I haven't seen it yet. (laughs) Shut up. Um, but I mean, I, I still didn't know it was going to be only three moves. Um, but still, you know, so I, I went into it kind of with an open mind going, okay, what am I going to see here rather than expecting to see like a big, long Epic fight, um so you know that doesn't
0: surprise me that that helps that helps you in a way too because the same thing happened with my brother i saw it that night and i kind of told him how the fight i felt was a little anticlimactic like i even i think i even said like it's probably gonna be shorter than you expected and then when he watched it it was like i'm glad you told me that because i might have felt disappointed when i saw it for the first time but You telling me and kind of knowing what to expect, it actually, you know, lived up to those expectations. And, you know, of course, everything surrounding it, he thought was great, too. But I think just for the fight in general, if you knew going in what to expect about it, it probably has a better effect on you when you see it for the first time, Mm -hmm. when you have your expectations of shit. So I know you weren't the only one. Yeah,
2: no, I I think that definitely helped. Um, I think you and a lot of other people probably felt like Anakin being like, Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul. You're shorter than I expected.
1: Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um yep. But yeah, I, I thought it was great. And as far as the rest of the episode, I mean the build up with Ezra and everything, I mean, yeah, it wasn't the greatest episode, but I would say I still enjoyed it. Um
0: Part of the Tuscan Raiders was cool.
2: Yeah, the, the Tuscan Raiders was cool. I mean, just seeing Tatooine again was cool and just sort of I mean the fact that it was like building up to um you know I, I guess the the anticipation more than anything was like what was interesting for me. Um, it's like, okay, we're seeing Ezra on this journey. And then, you know, we kind of know already what's waiting for us at the end of the road there. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mind it. Um, I thought, you know, it was probably, you know, the the first two thirds of the episode are maybe like a six or seven out of 10. And then the last third was like a 9.5 or a 10. Um but yeah, man, it was just, it was so cool, you know, just again, getting that last meeting and just sort of a, a resolution to this story. And I loved the, just the number of Phantom Menace callbacks that were in this episode too, like bringing it right back to the beginning, um, you know, where, well, I guess they didn't fight on Tatooine for the first time, but Maul fought Qui-Gon for the first time. And then, you know, later in that movie. Uh, you know Obi-Wan sees him kill Qui-Gon but even
0: it still has that poetic feel where he had his first fight against the Jedi on we yeah his last fight
2: yeah definitely and um but I mean from the fact that like at the beginning of the fight you know Obi-Wan he goes from his episode three pose to like his episode four pose and then finally he goes into Qui-Gon's episode one pose like right before Maul comes at him um but then the part that I love about this and what was, I mean, I don't know if I would say this was cooler than the fight, but definitely I thought this was one of the coolest moments between these two characters is after Obi-Wan strikes him down and, you know, Maul collapses and Obi-Wan is like holding him in his arms. Yes. And it's, it's like a mirror image of him holding Qui-Gon at the end of the Phantom Menace, um, except instead of, you know, Qui-Gon saying he is the chosen one, he will bring balance, train him uh You know, Maul, who by this point already realizes that Obi-Wan, you know, he and Ezra saw through the holocron that, you know, this planet and the Obi-Wan were tied to, you know, the key to destroying the Sith. And then he finds out just from talking to Obi-Wan that he is protecting someone there. And so as he's dying in Obi-Wan's arms, he says, is he the chosen one? And Obi-Wan says, yes, he is. And Maul says, he will avenge us. And... You know, so it's kind of like the the reverse side of that conversation. It's you know, whereas he doesn't want him to bring peace, he just wants him to, you know, to avenge them. But I thought that was cool for so many reasons. I mean, as I said, the the way that it parallels the Qui Gon scene, but also. Um, I mean, the talk about the Chosen One, obviously I've heard that stirring up a lot of controversy with people that he's saying that Luke is the Chosen One and not Anakin. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of a no-brainer that that's what Obi-Wan thinks. Because at this point, I mean, he thinks that that Anakin is unredeemable. Like, he and Yoda both tell Luke that he has to kill Vader in order to complete his Jedi training. And Luke is the one that's like, no, I think there's still some good in him. And he redeems Vader and, you know then of course Vader goes and destroys Palpatine and sort of does fulfill the prophecy of the chosen one he destroys the sith just not in the way that everybody thought now certainly he couldn't have done it without Luke so i mean you could almost say that they're like co-chosen ones in a way but i still i still firmly believe that Anakin is you know the chosen one but
0: me too it was yeah. just he needed Luke to fully get there
2: yeah but from you know from Obi-Wan's perspective it makes perfect sense that he would think that Um, And I also just love the way that it's, like, as much hatred as as Maul has had and as much as he's been, like, hell-bent on destroying Obi-Wan, that in this final moment between the two, it's almost like they're kind of on the same side for a second. Where Mm -hmm. I mean, especially when when Maul says he will avenge us. I think he realizes that as much as he has, you know thought of Obi-Wan as, like, his arch enemy and, and his, you know, greatest rival his, and has wanted revenge on him. And, yeah, sure, Obi-Wan cut him in half and sent him falling down a giant pit. But he I think he realizes that Palpatine is the real enemy. Um, and, I mean, obviously we kind of knew that, um, like, when... Uh, Maul first like joins up with Ezra and all them in like the season two finale like he's talking about trying to find you know the, the secrets to destroy the Sith and how they took everything from him and whatever um, like he's he's been at odds with Palpatine ever since you know Clone Wars but I think also seeing Obi-Wan like living alone out in the desert here um and realizing that like all the other jedi are gone and being like man this this proud warrior that i wanted to bring down like i see him now he's just like this hermit living in the desert he's like man palpatine screwed over these guys too like so i don't know maybe we have a common enemy maybe we should have spent less time fighting each other um so i kind of got a sense of that just from his his final moments where he's talking about you know luke avenging the two of them um so i i thought it was just you know, so well done. And of course, Obi-Wan being, you know, the, the perfect stoic Jedi there. I mean, it's not like he says anything like, Oh, I forgive you. Or, you know, you're redeemed or anything like that. But he, you know, obviously he, he holds Maul and let him, lets him die in peace. He's not like, you know, trying to stab him extra times to make sure he's dead (laughs) or being like, Oh, good riddance. And, you know, just leaving him there to, you know, rot in the sand. Like, you know, yeah, you could
0: see that he felt pity for them. in Yeah
2: yeah exactly um he doesn't gloat over him in victory he's like you know strikes him down and then breaks his fall and is like hey sorry about that uh but you know you came out here i I did what i had to do
0: yeah and i'm sure too like that's not even what he wanted to do but like i mentioned earlier when it comes down to luke obi-wan is gonna do what he has to do to make sure nothing interferes with uh Luke in his time there before he's ready to start training in the ways of the Force. I just Mm -hmm. love how that what triggered the battle ultimately for Obi Wan. But you know, and I've seen people talk about too how where Obi Wan when Maul's just about to die, and he was talking about the Chosen One and all that. Where that could have been a moment where you know Obi Wan maybe thought you know this is a turning point for Maul, where he's going to die and have peace, and just kind of accept it, but his last words were, uh, the Chosen One will avenge us, still having that ties to revenge in the Sith ways, where maybe that's where Obi-Wan has that ultimate pity for him, where even in death, he can't let go of his hate and revenge, when mm-hmm. he's gonna die having that hatred still, which probably causes him to have that pity that I was talking about, so yeah, just uh, I just love everything about it. The lead-up to the fight, the fight or at least I came around on the fight <laughs> on the second viewing and then afterwards, and then to the final shot of the episode. I thought mm-hmm. going into it, I was hoping it would end that way, but when watching it and then we saw Ezra reunite with everyone uh, back on chopper base, I thought it was going to end on that note, kind of like how the episodes usually do. And then we get the fanfare that we're used to hearing on rebels, but man, could we ask for a better ending for this episode <laughs> <No>. <laughs> than what we got?
2: No. So seeing just that, that shot of Obi-Wan Riding across the the sand on his dewback and looking off in the distance at the Lars homestead and seeing, you know, Luke running across and hearing the binary sunset theme. And then just having that continue over the credits was perfection. Like, and and I think I tweeted that, like, as soon as I finished watching it, I was like, you know, Rebels is good when you get chills during the end credits. Like, it was just uh, kudos to whoever had that idea.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was just a perfect way to end that. And just that whole story thread they had with bringing Maul back from the Clone Wars. And it just, as Dave Filoni said on the Rebels Recon, it just felt right that it had to be Obi-Wan to, you know, end the story of Maul. Oh, absolutely. And I like how he even put it where, you know, they're the ones who did it. They felt responsibility to end it since they did it on Clone Wars. And even how he said where by bringing him back, it took a little bit away from Obi-Wan's victory in episode one, knowing that Maul survived, but it's kind of like he gets a second chance to make up for it. Even Obi-Wan says it, you know, to mend this old wound that's <laughs> mm-hmm. still bothering him. So in the end, Obi-Wan did defeat Maul. It just took a lot longer, <laughs> multiple lightsaber battles than we thought it originally had. So in the end, I mean, who would have thought this seeing episode one for the first time? And hearing George Lucas even say at that time, oh, you know, the reason why I chopped him up is so there could be no talk about him surviving. He's dead. He's only for this one movie. <laughs> and then, sure enough, at Clone Wars, George Lucas decides to bring him back. And I know at that time, there were some skeptical fans out there wondering if it's really a good idea. And I'm sure there's still some out there now who don't think Maul should ever come back. But in the end, I think we just got so many great stories because of that. So it mm. was a decision that I'm glad George Lucas made because we got some truly great Star Wars moments through Darth Maul in the Clone Wars and now Rebels. So, oh, yeah, heck yeah. His character just has come a long way since his brief appearance in The Phantom Menace. Despite how cool he was there just from the presence and his fighting style that he had, he just got developed so much more into one of the better Star Wars characters.
2: Yeah, and you know what? Actually, I think I have to say this this episode right here is one silver lining to the Clone Wars getting canceled. And I'm not just talking about the fact that, like, they got to finish an ongoing storyline from the Clone Wars. I'm talking about the fact that, I mean, if they had finished Clone Wars the way they wanted to, I mean, we don't know for sure. But I'm assuming they probably would have wrapped up Darth Maul's storyline in Clone Wars. Um I mean, unless, you know, they would have made plans afterwards to, you know, to have like a Rebels type series or something like that and and continue on. But if we assume that, you know, somewhere over the course of like the last couple seasons of Clone Wars that Maul would have been killed either by Obi-Wan or by, you know, Darth Sidious or something like that. Sure, we could have got a cooler fight, but I don't think it would have given the story this much weight and this much, you know, just depth knowing that there's... This much history between these two characters mm-hmm. even though obviously they they didn't really have any confrontations like in between episodes in, in, like from episode three up to this point um but maul is obviously aware of him like ezra comes to warn him and he's like darth Maul's out there he's coming to get you and obi-wan's like yeah i know like why are you bothering me kid um <laughs> and he even says he's like i had no plans to fight him but that's kind of inevitable now like thanks to you i mean he's not being that like mean or sarcastic about it but um basically you know he he's talking about like he knew that maul was out there and that he might have to confront him again at some point but he wasn't planning to like go after him or fight him or anything but now he like ezra has basically led maul to him and he's like okay well guess i got to deal with this now um and especially like you said like once maul threatens uh luke He's like, uh, no, we can't have that. Like, the future of the galaxy hangs in the balance. I am not letting you kill the Chosen One, so uh, you're going down, pal. Um, but, um, yeah, it was like, just to see to see these, to, you know, to see old Ben fighting Darth Maul, whoever thought we'd get to see that?
0: I know.
1: <laughs> like, I think was... I
0: said this before when we saw the trailer for the second half of season three, where we saw Obi-Wan, I just thought... Every time I watch the New Hope since the Phantom Men is seeing old Ben and thinking about the history he had in his fight with Darth Maul and all that he went through. But now when you watch the New Hope, oh, he just fought Darth Maul like a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how, you know, closer uh, his ties with Darth Maul, how close it leads up to a new hope now than far exceeded than any possibility I thought would happen when I saw episode one for the first time. Just like a one and done fight, but mm-hmm. he be, become a major factor in Obi-Wan's life.
2: Yeah, but and again, like if even if they had had a final duel on Clone Wars and Obi Wan had killed him again, it would have been like, okay, well, you know, that was cool, and and stay dead this time, you know, like it would have been cool to see, but the, there just wouldn't have been the the history, um, and getting to see them like at at a totally different stage of their life too is just man, it was so awesome. Yeah, um, and you know, honestly, like I was one of those people when they first announced they were bringing them all back on Clone Wars. I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, because it was, it seemed pretty obvious to me when they created Savage Opress. It was like, okay, this is George Lucas's, like, apology letter to all the people who love Darth Maul and were, you know, disappointed that he got killed off after only one movie and didn't get much character development and stuff, like, this guy is going to be our Darth Maul replacement. And then they went and brought actual Darth Maul back, too, and I was like, what are you doing? Like, this guy (laughs) should be dead. Um... And, you know, honestly, like, if you think about it, they still never really gave, like, a concrete explanation for how he survived and how he ended up on that other planet and stuff, but it's kind of one of those things, like, you just roll with it. It's like, okay, sure, yeah, the dark side and his hatred kept him alive for ten years and, you know, all that good stuff, but... um I mean, the, the reason that I'm okay with it is because they just were able to tell so many cool stories with him once they brought him back. Like, they didn't linger on the details of, like, okay, how did he survive with half a torso for, you know, 10 years? It was like, okay, he's back. Let's just, you know, roll with it and, and let's get to work making this guy a more deep and complex and interesting character than really he had ever been before. Um, and so I was like, okay, I can get down with this. But then after Clone Wars got canceled, there was always, like, a small part of me that wondered, like, well, now, like, how are they going to resolve this, and how long are we going to have this dangling plot thread, and, like, would it have been better if they had just left him dead so we, you know, wouldn't take away from Obi-Wan's victory in the Phantom Menace, and we wouldn't be left wondering, you know, with this big question mark, um of, you know, what ha- what happens to Darth Maul now, and, you know, who knows how long we'll have to wait to get the resolution to that story. Well, now we've got the resolution. Um, you know, they, they brought him back on Rebels, and he had some cool stuff with, you know, Ezra and Sith holocrons and stuff going on for, you know, a season or so, and then got this final resolution with Obi-Wan, which was just, you know, like I said, ended up being better than we could have hoped for. Um, you know, like... I think if you had told me as a kid, like, when Obi-Wan cut Darth Maul in half and he he fell and we all thought he was dead, if you're like, well, wait, he's actually not dead, but wait, it gets better because then, you know, he gets to fight Obi-Wan a bunch through the Clone Wars and then there's a final duel in the desert with old Ben Kenobi, I would have been like, that sounds even cooler, you know? So I I think in the long run, like, it definitely ended up being a a good decision and... uh, you know, the, the character was better for it. The stories were better for it. And this conclusion was just the best way they could have done it.
0: Mm-hmm. The one thing I would suggest fans to do, and if you haven't done it already, it's really cool when you watch all three episodes of Darth Maul appearances in this season of Star Wars Rebels. All the of Fate, Visions and Voices, and then Twin Sons. It plays out like a great arc from the Clone Wars back when they were doing three episode arcs. It really has a great mm-hmm. flow of how Darth Maul and Ezra's stories continue and had that ultimate Climax with this fight as, as Obi Wan, it really played out well. So, whether you're going to wait for the Blu Ray, if you have them on DVR or you bought them digitally, watch those three episodes back to back. You'll be engrossed in those stories even more because I certainly was. I watched it that same weekend after the episode air I like, I got to get the full experience of it, and I was glad All I nice.
2: did. Well, now I'll have to go back and do that at some yep. point. <laughs> um,
0: well, you think we were talking about the season finale? Huh? But <laughs> yeah, I
2: know, right? <laughs> no we were talking about the finale to a many seasons long story arc yeah <laughs> then we come to zero hour uh the the grand culmination of grand admiral Thrawn's scheming and plans and stuff this season um and man we got just some really cool stuff in here you know great story build up great action scenes great space battles um you know a lot of cool dramatic moments and stuff um and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Thrawn was it was in top form here. And, I, I you know, going into this, not being sure how it was going to play out, like, I'm glad they resolved the battle the way it did where, you know, I mean, Thrawn still kind of suffers a, a, I wouldn't say a defeat, but an insult maybe in a way. But at the same time, like, he definitely, like, routes the rebels. Um, yeah. you see, he got the
0: victory, yeah. Yeah, you
2: see why this guy's an effective commander. He destroys their base. They have to leave. Um but at the same time, I mean, it almost kind of feels like a failure for him because he failed to stop them from getting away. Um and, Well, if you it know, wasn't
0: for a stupid Admiral Constantine, I think his plan would have went out without a hitch. <laughs> yeah,
2: seriously. I was like, Are you serious with this guy? But at the same time, I mean it, it felt in character. I mean it felt like yeah. one of those moments where you're watching and you're like, Man, this guy is stupid, but it didn't feel like stupid writing or a stupid storytelling decision. It just felt like them doing a good job of writing a bad decision by a character who was just, you know, over, uh, overzealous, um, you know, trying to go for the glory, uh, in this battle. And, uh, yeah, ended up, uh, you know, facing his ambitions head on. Um, he, he choked, if you will.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, come on. This is the same guy who trapped Darth Vader's TIE fighter in the tractor (laughs) beams. Oh
2: yeah. Well, I mean, that was
0: by accident. But but still, it was under his watch. Yeah, <laughs> Actually,
2: I forgot that that happened. Yeah, no wonder. But um, yeah, and then of course this was also uh sort of a huge episode for Bendu as well. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, and you know it was interesting because I've always. I mean, I didn't necessarily think we were going to see Bendu in a battle scene or anything like that. But I, I always kind of wondered, like, is there more to this guy or are we going to see him do something besides just, like, sit there and give Kanan, like, sage advice? Um, and obviously we we saw the wrath of Bendu here. Um, <laughs> but also I thought it was, it was really cool that it kind of, you know, he, he made true on his promise of what he's been saying all season. He like, every time you see him, he says, you know, I'm the Bendu. I'm the one in the middle, you know, and Kanan is trying to get help from him, you know, to deal with the Sith or the empire or whatever. And he's always reluctant to get dragged into these conflicts because he's like, you know, I'm, I'm not light side or dark side. Like I'm just this sage old force user that just kind of is sitting here doing my thing. Like I'm neutral. Um, And so once Kanan, I mean, basically just kind of, like, prods and annoys him uh, enough to the point where he's, like, angry enough to join the battle, And he, but he's like, look, you brought war to my home, I'm sick of this, like, you guys are disturbing the peace, and I like how on Rebels Recon, Dave Filoni says that he always has kind of imagined that Bendu's, like, end goal is just to sleep, like, mm-hmm. he is just this ancient, peaceful creature that does not want to be disturbed, And so it's not that Kanan convinces him to like join their side. It's just, you know, I, kind of think of him as like a grumpy old man being like, Hey, you kids get off my lawn. Um, you know, (laughs) so he, he somehow like disappears up into the sky and becomes a giant storm cloud and is just taking out, you know, Imperial ships and rebel ships and, you know, throwing lightning bolts and stuff. And I mean, that was crazy. Um, Again, that's one of those things where I'm like, I'm not sure how it all worked, because I thought he sort of became the cloud, but then Thrawn had the Imperial Walkers shoot at the cloud, and Bendu fell out of the cloud, and so I was like, oh, wait, was he, like, actually in physical form, just, like, floating in the cloud the whole time? I don't know, but whatever it was, it made for, you know, some cool, really cool visuals, and, uh, you know, just expanding even more the, you know, sort of our, our understanding of, like, what the Force can be, um not our understanding necessarily so much of, like, how it works, because we don't really know, like, how Bendu did what he did, but it's just one of those things where, you know, he, he's one of those um, definitely more sort of surreal, I guess, um, you know, elements of of the Force and just of this universe, and it's just one of those sort of cool things where it's like, we don't understand that that's something new and, and strange and alien and mystical. And we'll just, you know, enjoy it for what it is. And, and, you know, love exploring like new mysteries of, of the force and of the star Wars universe and stuff like that. And, you know, I hope we see more of that in the future. I hope we see more of Bendu again at some point somewhere. Cause you know, you kind of got the sense at the I end. I think
0: we will. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, in fact, you don't even really know what happened to him. Like at the end there, he's kind of lying on the ground, defeated and, um tells Thrawn as Thrawn is like standing proudly over him like I've defeated you, he says, uh, you know, I I see your defeat like cold arms embracing you or something like that. Um and then Thrawn pulls out a blaster and goes to shoot him in the head and uh you just see like the close up of Thrawn with the blaster and then it cuts to the ground and there's just a scorch mark on the ground and no Bendu and then you hear you just hear uh Bendu's you know disembodied voice laughing and I hear a lot of people saying like oh he you know probably pulled an Obi-Wan and like became a force ghost or something but I mean the fact that you see the blaster mark on the ground makes me think like I mean, did Fran shoot him and the blast just, like, went through him or something? Like, did he actually kill Bendu and then Bendu became one with the Force? Or did Bendu just disappear altogether? Or was he never actually there in physical form in the first place? Or, you know, like, what is going on here?
0: But... Boy, yeah. Man, Bendu was my favorite part of the season finale. And it was a great finale, too. I mean, it's impossible for it to live up to the Twilight of the Apprentice mm-hmm. I. You can't even expect that going into it. There's just no way. So you just got to take it for what it is. And I thought it wrapped up the season beautifully with with Thrawn, especially. Like I said, he needed to have a victory by the time the season wrapped up. And he had a big one. He found their base. He got them off their base. And, you know, just perfectly leading up to what we know the Rebels are going to be at by the time we get to Rogue One, where they're pretty much all gathered up on Yavin. So I thought it set that up nicely, too. But I was not expecting Bendu to be this awesome. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I thought maybe we, since, you know, we knew there was going to be a battle on this planet that he would participate It, but still kind of in his physical form, you know, just being the normal size swatting down TIE fighters or uh, Imperial walkers and whatnot. But what we got was even better because like you said, I wasn't even expecting that. and It was just a new aspect of the ways to use the force that we'd never seen before, at least for uh, someone as his species. I just loved it where he just went into the clouds and just, you know, kind of became one with the planet is taking down Imperial forces. And I liked how it wasn't just Imperial forces. It was Rebel transports trying to escape too. Like he said, showing how he's still in the middle. He's not taking sides. He just wants everyone off his planet. So it was just really cool to see Ben doing action like that. And I was wondering, you know, are, are the walkers actually doing damage to him? <laughs> are they actually hitting him? Hmm. And it turns out they were. And I thought it was kind of cool where, he seemed to be all powerful, but yet, you know, his physical form was obviously still there, even though it was given the illusion that it was not. But I just loved that he was taking him down, but yet still, he was putting himself at risk because he was getting hurt too. And even though the Imperial Walkers were doing probably most of the damage, I saw the Death Super shooting at him too. And I like to think they got the final shot that, you know, <laughs> took Bendu down once and it's for all. not <laughs>
2: enough that they took Baze and Chirut from us.
0: See, Death Troopers are getting some big uh, kills on their you know resume. Chirrut, Bays, Bendu. <laughs> <This is> a, <laughs> they're really not quite the impressive list. But uh, um, yeah, Bendu was awesome. And while I'm talking about Death Troopers, they didn't have too much to do as far as action goes. But I still love seeing them in there. They, the presence they have is just so darn cool. Seeing them <laughs> with Thrawn and then pretty much dragging Callus uh, around, holding him at bay, and then just seeing them... Walk around the planet. Like I said, they didn't have much action until Bendu showed up, but just seeing them move around, searching for the Rebels that are in the caves there, I just love, you know how much I love their armor. So just seeing them in animated form was really cool. They just have such a great presence that I'll never get sick of seeing. So, so glad that uh, Dave Filoni decided, you know, it'd be cool to bring him on to Rebels. So, and even from a story standpoint, where he talked about on the Rebels Recon, where, you know, it makes sense for them to be here. This is, you know, Thrawn put all this together. This is his final attack. He's going to want the big guns for this, so call in the Death Troopers. And they didn't. They only suffered one casualty. That was because of Bendy. So, the they did their job. So it was great to see them. And then the space battle we got in the first part. Man, was that cool! I think easily the best we've seen on Rebels. But mm-hmm. it could be best we've seen in the Star Wars animation, even Clone Wars, because they did some impressive shots on this one. And it, It just looked really, really cool. So, yeah, all the way around, it was just a great action-packed way to end the finale. There wasn't really major, you know, revelations or ramifications like we got when Vader fought Ahsoka. But still, big stuff happened. The Rebels left their base and Thrawn got the victory, which is pretty much all I was asking for in the finale. I know there has been maybe some speculation or maybe even for some fans to think for Thrawn to really win one of the ghost crew members had to be killed off or taken out, but I didn't necessarily think that had to happen. As long as he got them off that base in the empire, the, the rebels off that base and they struck a blow to the rebels. And at the end of the day, the empire viewed this as a victory. That's all I wanted. And I got that. So I was perfectly happy with that. That was a great way to end what I thought overall was a great season for rebels. And yeah, just <laughs> can't wait to see what's going to move uh, or wasn't sore for us in season four because i just think we're getting closer and closer for us to be moving towards the eventual outcome which i think is going to be the end of the series is going to be rogue one the battle of Scarif. i think that's going to be the finale of the series just to lead up right into rogue one which we know leads up into a new hope so i'm excited for this season finale delivered for what i was expecting and even stuff i wasn't expecting to see with ben do. so all mm-hmm. all the way around i thought it was great
2: yeah. And, you know, getting the resolution to Callis's storyline,
0: um, mm-hmm. which you know, I'm surprised he survived. I didn't think he was going to make it. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, it's funny because I was watching this uh, with my friends Jason and Joey um, and we were, you know, kind of making predictions beforehand. And it was kind of, uh, you know, like Thrawn, Callus, and uh, Commander Sato were like all the ones that we thought were maybe going to bite the dust. And I was kind of surprised that Sato was the only one of those three that, uh, you know, that didn't make it. Um, although, you know, we could throw Admiral Constantine in there too, but um, you know, he uh, just, you know, reaped Nobody his o- Yeah. He, he reaped his own <laughs> rewards. Um, but yeah, like I wasn't sure if Thrawn was going to survive, but I, I liked that he did without the rebels, uh, you know, without like destroying all the rebels, like it wasn't a situation where like either he killed them or they killed him. Like you know, he won, but they made it out alive, and uh you know everybody lived to fight another day. But and they yeah, lost I was... a
0: lot too. That's what I like about it too. So many rebel ships and transports got destroyed. That they had that was a big blow for the rebellion.
2: Yeah. Uh. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you can see like just a few of those ships made it out. In fact, I was kind of worried when they said, you know, General Dodonna was the one that they had sent the Y-Wings to. I was like, is he going to have any Y-Wings left to form Gold Squadron by the end of this? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, definitely, like you said, the the space action was cool, you know, seeing that Rebel fleet come together and stuff. But even at the same time, knowing that it was just Dodonna's fleet, that it wasn't like the whole united Rebel fleet that we see in uh, Rogue One.
0: Yeah, that was a good bit of dialogue from Mon Mothma, where I think she said it was Bail Organa who thought it was too soon for all of them to come together, and it turned out to be right. So it was good that they acknowledged that too.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, and and I'm glad that the Rebels didn't win here necessarily because uh, you know we know that Rogue One has to be you know their first major victory. Um, I mean, I guess the only question mark it leaves is, well, what happens to Thrawn? I mean, we could still obviously. You know, he could get killed off next season or something. But, like, unless he was at the Battle of Scarif, it's like, is he going to die before Rogue One in something that's not considered a victory for the Rebellion? Is he going to survive into, like, the time period
0: of the original trilogy and we'll just get more Thrawn stories? Um, well, what do you think when Bendu uh, told him that prophecy at the end of the episode? Where, what was it where, like, a you'll be surrounded by a, a thousand... Somewhere an embrace like like a lot. Yeah, of Yeah, he
2: says something about like I see your defeat, sur- like surrounding you like like the embrace of cold arms or something like that. See, um,
0: immediately what came to my mind, force choke <laughs> like,
2: Well, see, the thing that came to my mind, particularly when he mentions the cold and talks about like multiple arms or something, I was thinking maybe force lightning.
0: Um, cause too.
2: I mean, Thrawn doesn't seem, he seems like too big of a character to just get choked out by Vader and he would have to screw up big time for Vader to, you know, execute a, a grand admiral. Like, you know, I mean, you, you get the sense that Thrawn is, I mean, both like within the universe as you know, the way he's built up as this, you know, Imperial commander with, you know, all this, tactical knowledge and and you know how he's so effective and everything but then also just from a character standpoint the fact that you know we're so invested in him as the audience he seems like too big of a character to to just have Vader be like you know you have failed me for the last time and choke him like unless he tried to kill Vader or something like that. Um or unless he was the one who like lost the Death Star plans but we know that wasn't him. So um yeah I don't know. I'm definitely intrigued to see where this goes. Because I'm like, I can't figure out how they could kill him off before Rogue One, but then it's like, it almost doesn't make sense for him to survive till after Rogue One, because then, like, why wasn't he at the head of the, the fleet over Scarif? Or why wasn't he at the head of the fleet, you know, over Endor or, you know, protecting the Death Star over Yavin or something yeah. like that? Like, you know, it's he's one of those characters that's almost too big to like be around at the time of the movies and not be in the movies.
0: Yeah. I think we're definitely going to see him go out on rebels, which might be next season. I mean, or yeah. depending how long it goes, I think we're going to see Theron get taken out on this, on this show. Cause like you said, just, too many questions get raised where where is he during these big events that the Empire takes place in, in the original trilogy. So it just makes more sense and easier to swallow if he does die before the events of Rogue One. And it perfectly explains why we don't see him in any of those big battles. So I definitely think we're going to see him get killed on screen in, some, in one of the seasons of uh, Rebels upcoming. So we'll just have to see if it's four or beyond if it goes long longer
1: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah i mean i get the feeling they're kind of coming towards the end of rebels here especially with the way that we see more and more of like the formation of the rebel fleet Mm -hmm. um and knowing that um you know obviously we're, we're getting closer and closer to rogue one um so i think you know season four might be the last if not then definitely season five but i think four would be a good place to end it while we're still you know pretty close to like the release of rogue one um, and while that's still kind of fresh in everybody's mind, I mean, the fact that they're going to Yavin next season yeah. definitely opens up the possibilities for a lot of cameos from you know Cassian and K two, and I think even on the Rebels Recon for this episode, they said that we will see Saw Gerrera again next season. Um,
0: yeah, they've... we're going to see kind of what causes the the rift between Saw and Mon Mothma in order yeah. for to you know kind of just still do things his own way, not be part of the grander Rebel Alliance.
2: Yeah, and the other thing, too, well, for one thing, Dave Filoni also kind of hinted at in uh, the Rebels Recon that we'll probably finally see X-Wings next season. Um yeah. <laughs> But then also, I was thinking, you know, in terms of other Rogue One characters that we could see, like, now that Commander Sato is out of the game, um, you know, we kind of need, like, a new like rebel leader figurehead. And of course that could be General Dodonna. I mean, cause he was pretty prominently featured in these episodes. We've got Mon Mothma as well, but I was also thinking, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy that was kind of like the rebel general, um, you know, the, who's like Cassian's boss in rogue one. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, Dr- uh, Draven. Yeah. General Draven, I think. Um, so we could see him too um so i think yeah there's definitely a lot of cool possibilities to you know start connecting that stuff
0: and plus we can even see you know hera take Soto's spot because we know she's going to be a general by the time we get to rogue one so
2: actually yeah that is a good point um although normally well i don't know how it all works i'm like i know in normal military like generals are usually in charge of like the army right and then for air and naval battles and stuff you know you have like admirals and stuff like that um and so i was like i i thought it was weird even when i first heard that that hera was a general because i was like why would you need a general in space but then I was like, well i guess lando got promoted to general before the battle of endor and he was only in space and you know i don't know how that all works yeah.
0: it's just it's just them <laughs> just,
2: giving them cool sounding titles
0: exactly we just know she's gonna have that title by the time we're at rogue one yeah
2: um but, yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait to see where they go next season. i I think I would say, after seeing how this all wrapped up, in my opinion, this was the best season of rebels so far. Um, I I still think season one is also right up there, um, just because I think it told a very concise story. Um, but I think season three was able to, you know, obviously because it's longer and had more episodes and stuff, you know, they're able to introduce a lot of separate elements um and have, you know, some different subplots and, you know, weaving, you know, kind of narratives and stuff, and then tie them all together at the end. Whereas I feel like season two, as much as the season two premiere and finale are probably still my two favorite episodes of Rebels, just because Vader and Ahsoka, but then I felt like everything in between was just kind of, like, random filler, like... I mean, and not that there weren't some good episodes, like, there were a lot of cool stories and a lot of cool episodes and stuff, but it just felt kind of random, and it didn't feel like everything was leading from point A to point B. Because we didn't see Ahsoka much during the regular season, and there wasn't much, like, build-up from, you know, progression, like, from the the premiere to the finale. Whereas I feel like with season three, the whole season, you know, whether we whether it was focused on Thrawn or Bendu or Callus or Sabine and the Mandalorians, like all that stuff came back into play in the finale. And I think that all worked really well.
0: Yeah. And I would say too, for a season that had 22 episodes, this one was probably more consistent than season two was, even though I really, really liked season two. I felt this, uh, this season, there was really only two episodes that I just didn't like and, that was, of course, double aged droid with AP5 singing and closing out the episode, and then hmm. Iron Squadron. I really didn't like that one. The, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Those kids, yeah, they were kind of yeah. annoying and just <laughs> didn't. I don't think add anything to it. But other than that, I pretty much enjoyed all the episodes, even the ones that I know gets a little uh, some flack. The the Wakatsu job, I think it's called, with uh, Hondo and uh, As Morgan and. Uh, uh, Zeb and uh, Ezra go to, you know, that oh, yeah. ship where they have to, those uh, Imperial security droids attack them. I mean, yeah, you could say it's filler, but again, uh, filler is not a bad word to me when the episode's good. As long as it's a enjoyable episode that has a good story you just have a good time with, then, yeah, give me as many fillers as you, <laughs> as you want, even though, you know, we all like when the plot thread of a series is carried out in a good way throughout the course of the season. But when you get... Filler stories that you enjoy, I mean, why not? And that was one of them where I just had a good time watching. And there was more of that throughout the season that I enjoyed more than probably the first two. So I agree with you there, but yeah, it's when you compare what we got with season two with those premieres and finales, that's what's going to, you know, really move it up as far as, you know, some of the biggest moments of the series. And in Star Wars, it happens in season two, so that's why I think it's going to be highly regarded. But again, I do think it's a good season. I think I like it more than most fans that I talk to do, but in the end, season three, just another solid addition to the series. And yeah, I think it's going to go on, Well, we know it's going to go on for season four, but like you said, I think the end is drawing near. I think it has, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends at season four, but I think the most it'll probably go is five. And then, you know, we'll, cause it just matches up where I think it, well, they, did say it takes for like five years before New Hope. So, if it's each season is like a year leading up to that, then I could see it going to five and leaving directly into Rogue One and the New Hope. So, we'll see how long it goes. But yeah, we had three good seasons so far, some truly great, monumental episodes over the course of those three seasons. So, we know mm-hmm. we're going to get more by the time it's all said and done. So, it's more good stuff from rebels to come that's for sure
2: yeah definitely and you know what honestly like i'm glad that we're focusing more on the empire now and i mean that we haven't really seen any inquisitors lately now don't get me wrong i loved the grand inquisitor in season one um and then yeah i think the the fact that season two started with vader and then uh you know Palpatine's like, dispatch more inquisitors to hunt the rebels. And we get, you know, the fifth brother and the seventh sister running around for the rest of the season. It was like, eh, I'm, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of those guys. um. So I think season three definitely stepped it up in the villain department with, you know, Thrawn. But I also, I like the way that we saw um, kind of more... I don't know, more of the inner workings of the Empire, I guess. And it kind of felt like there was more than just one villain. I mean, obviously Thrawn was sort of the big baddie of the season, but, you know, you had Callus, who was not really a villain, but, you know, an Imperial. Um, We saw more of Tarkin. Um, We saw, you know, you had Admiral Constantine, Lieutenant List, uh, Governor Price, who I'm a little confused as to her role, because I guess I thought... I mean, I know Tarkin is technically a governor, but he runs around and does a bunch of stuff. But I thought they'd established in season one that Governor Price was, like, the governor of Lothal. And so I'm like, why is she commanding a space battle? Like, I mean, not that I'm saying that, you know, she can't do it or whatever. Just generally, you know, you wouldn't, like, take the governor of a state and put him at the head of an army to go fight ISIS or something. So, you know, like... I don't know, I, I was a little confused as to just sort of what they were trying to establish her role as, but I thought, you know, she had some some interesting scenes, especially sort of as Thrawn's, you know, right hand. Um, so, you know, I liked seeing all of those guys and their interactions and stuff like that. Um, and so I kind of hope we get to see more of that next season. I don't know if they'll introduce another new villain, but I would love to see Vader come back and interact with Thrawn, yeah. Um, that and, would be neat, and yeah. kind of get a culmination of, I mean, I guess they can't bring the inquisitor back, but you know, maybe see them draw on more stuff, you know, bring in more, uh, more people, um, that we've seen like over the past, I don't know, maybe even bring in Boba Fett. Um, you know,
0: obviously I'm not still as a surprised I haven't done yet. <laughs> yeah. Not
2: as a main villain, obviously, but, um, you know, he would definitely be able to throw a wrench in their plans. I'm also really excited to see where Callus goes now. um, because obviously now you know he's not fulcrum anymore or i i mean i guess maybe he still could be just if a rebel spy can have the name fulcrum in fact i think in the row one visual guide it says that cassian one time mm-hmm. yep. you know at, at one point went by fulcrum um but callus is definitely not going to be like their inside man inside the empire anymore so i'm um, you know I, I get the feeling that he's going to go in a whole new direction next season you'll probably have a different outfit unless they just don't feel like changing his character model but um (laughs) you know not much use wearing his uh imperial you know uh enforcer uniform or whatever so um, i have to get
0: rid of those sideburns too because that's usually the mark of an imperial
2: (laughs) i guess so huh um but yeah he could go you know full-on rebel soldier or whatever um in fact, he I I don't know like maybe he'll even end up taking Sabine's spot on the Ghost Crew now that she's you know off doing her own thing on Mandalore and obviously I can't wait to get the resolution to that storyline, um,
0: especially with that concept art Dave yeah has, uh, and <laughs> the, on the way
2: that they sort of are hyping it up as you know I mean Dave is was talking about just on the Rebels Recon about how um, he sort of embraced the fact now that. Rebels is almost like a sequel to Clone Wars. Yeah. Um. Just in the fact that like you know he he's getting the chance to like resolve so many storylines that they didn't get to finish when Clone Wars was canceled. And so, um, even though this is no longer like dealing with Maul and the Death Watch, it's still obviously you know two warring factions on Mandalore. Um. You know the ones that want independence and you know to sort of return to their traditional roots, and the ones that want to you know just be the Empire's you know thugs basically um and so we'll get to see all that play out and i'm sure there will be some more callbacks to you know mandalorian lore and uh, the history of you know what happened during the civil war on the clone wars and all that kind of stuff so uh you know can't wait to see that i think season yeah. f- season four is probably well i was gonna say season four is probably the one that i'm most excited for going into just by, you know, the possibilities of of everything that we can see, which is probably true, except, you know, obviously with season two, after seeing the season one finale where we just had Vader show up right at the end, I was like, oh, season two is going to be good. Um, but, I mean, I was really excited for season two just for Vader and Ahsoka. I think season four I'm excited for just for a lot of different reasons.
0: Mm-hmm. And speaking of Ahsoka, I think we're probably going to see her again in season four. Dave's hinted, even at Celebration London last year where... Ahsoka, where well, you pretty much confirm Ahsoka is still alive, and we'll probably see her again on Rebels in the day felony fashion. We're not really saying it, but saying it. And so, I think we're going to see her again in season four. And going back to what you said, where we're going to see the resolution of some stuff from Clone Wars. I think you know Ahsoka is going to fit right in amongst some of those story threads that we got in Rebels from season two, and then see you know play it out and get full closure on a character. I think so. I mean, that alone is reason enough to get excited for season four. But like mm-hmm. you said, there's going to be so much other stuff. And boy, I can't wait for that trailer. at celebration <laughs> Orlando we're going to get in a few weeks.
2: Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing. I don't, man. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Ahsoka. I, part of me wants to just think that Vader killed her. I mean, as bad as that sounds, like I, I don't want Vader to have killed her. But, you know, I think that would be like a fitting end for the character. Like for her to, you know, confront Darth Vader to try to start peeling back the layers of, you know, seeing the Anakin Skywalker that's still inside, which like, literally happened when she cut his helmet open, uh, and we heard Matt Lanter's voice come out of it and, man, I really want to go back and watch Twilight of the Apprentice again now, um, but to have her, you know, confront him again and, you know, make a heroic sacrifice, like, for the rest of the Rebels to escape, you know, while taking on Darth Vader, like, I think that's about as good of a way to go as you can ask for, especially at this point when we're getting so close to a new hope and we know there aren't supposed to be a lot of Jedi characters around anymore. Um, so I think if they, if they bring her back again, I'm like, well, okay, now where do we go from there? Not that I would be unhappy to see her again. Um, but I at least you know want an explanation of what happened. Cause I thought I, I heard, I don't know if it was in an interview or a tweet or something, but somebody said that we were going to get in in this, I thought it was in this season. Maybe they just meant in the future. Um, but they said something like, "We'll find out what a certain character thinks happened to Ahsoka," or like, "We'll find out what happened to her from someone's point of view," or something like that. Which I thought was going to be Ben Kenobi. I thought he and Ezra were going to mention her, but that didn't happen. So I know there. I mean, whether or not we actually see her again, like, yeah, there's going to have to be some more story dealing with Ahsoka at some point.
0: I should correct myself, too. I don't think Dave Flo necessarily said she was alive, but, you know, that we'll see her again in Rebels. And that can mean a few different things, because mm-hmm. he's hinted before where he's even compared her situation to, like, Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, and hmm. Gandalf died and came back as Gandalf the White, who was technically uh, a different person. But, and, you know, there's all those... Theories and speculation going on with the convery creatures that's been following Ahsoka around. That looks like the sister. We could see Ahsoka again, but it just could be in a way we're not expecting. That's in a different form. So, tons of possibilities that can go. But, yeah, I don't necessarily think it's going to be, you know, the Ahsoka we already know and love from the Clone Wars and Rebels coming back again. It could just be something completely different. But yet, it's we know that it's still... Ahsoka, or at least an aspect of Ahsoka, or at least what happened to her after that fight. So, yeah, (laughs) let the speculation continue.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, but I mean, yeah, just one more thing to look forward to um, in season four. So I'm definitely glad Rebels is coming back for another season. Can't wait to see where they're going to go next. Um, And uh, we won't have to wait too much longer to at least get some of those answers or start getting hints about them. Um, because I think this is just a good point to segue into talking about our last thing, which is Celebration Orlando, which is coming up, you know, three weeks from now. Um, and you know, they've started announcing some of the, uh, the panels and the schedules and some more guests and stuff like that. So, um, man, I wish we could go, but, um, we will be very closely monitoring all the news and stuff from here. Um, but you know, there will be a, uh, a rebel season four panel that'll have, you know, our first look at the new season, um, and you know, a, a trailer and a Q and a with Dave Filoni and all that good stuff. So that's definitely going to be one of the highlights, um, to look forward to. And I mean, if it's anything like past celebrations, actually, they might even show the season four premiere if they're that far ahead already. Although, um, um as far as I, I know, that hasn't sure. been announced
0: yeah, I think we would have heard about that if they were doing it. So. Yeah, I guess that's part of me true. thinks they're not. That's not going to happen this year. Yeah, maybe they're
2: just you know not as far as ahead as they have been.
0: Or they just want to hold off on it, maybe, since it's not going to be such a big event like having Vader show up for it's the true. first time. So.
2: Yeah, I will definitely say like season season three had. Well, I mean, yeah, at least in c- comparison to season two, like the season premieres and season finale, uh, the season premiere and finale weren't quite as you know big of events although I mean still having Thrawn was cool but um yeah it's like season two really set the bar for just like those big event episodes but um I definitely was you know more happy with like season three consistently as a whole even though it maybe didn't bookend with quite as big you know event episodes I mean still the the finale was pretty dang good not quite Twilight of the Apprentice level but it was still up there
0: yeah and plus, too, the celebration in London, it was like a month or two months, the most before season three started. So they probably figured, you know, even though it's such a big event, we're close enough for the season to get started that we could show it here. But mm-hmm. since the season three just ended and celebrations is a few weeks away, maybe they still want to hold off on showing full episodes, as being so far away from the next season being started. If it's not going to have something as big as Vader being involved,
2: yeah, that would probably be a good idea. Um. But anyway, I mean, so as far as the rest of the stuff at Celebration, though, um, I mean, I'm looking on the, the website at the schedule right now. And um, I think we might have talked about this before, how on uh, that first Thursday, the April 13th, it kicks off with the 40 years of Star Wars um, Celebration. Um, and then, I mean, I'm not going to list off all the panels here, obviously, but just kind of the big ones. Like, obviously, Friday, we've got the uh, the Last Jedi panel Um, And I think that's from, like, 11 o'clock to 12.30 Eastern time. Um, So, yeah, around 12.30 Eastern, be looking for that trailer to drop, Um, which is a bummer for me because, I mean, that's going to be on a Friday, which means I'll have to work that day. And I start work at 9.30, so I'm like, man, do I, like, go to work early and then just like watch the trailer when i get there before i clock in do i just like call out sick that day like (laughs) i i can't just sit at work all day and like not watch this trailer till i get home like i'm just gonna be an unfocused mess all day so yeah yeah (laughs) um so i kind of wish it was either like earlier in the morning or in the evening or something or just on a saturday but um you know so that's on friday then i think the rebels panel is on saturday as well as uh let me pull this up here yeah so uh ea just announced today that our first look at star wars battlefront 2 is coming on saturday april 15th at 2:30 p.m. eastern time um so it's 11:30 for us and again that's on saturday so we've got all day to just sit around and watch celebration live streams and all that good stuff um Man, I can't wait to see what they're working on with this Battlefront game. Like, I want to know like how much they've been listening to the fan feedback. Well, obviously they've been listening to it at a decent amount because we know this one's going to have a single-player campaign, which everybody wanted after the first one. We know there will be multiple eras, which... You know, we're, we're pretty sure at least includes the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. So I guess really just what I want to know is if they're going to include Clone Wars content or not.
0: Yeah, that's how you know how much they're listening to fans. Yeah, there has been plenty of fans who've been saying that's what they want. So if it's there, then yeah, <laughs> they've definitely yeah. been listening. Well,
2: here's the thing, though, for me, like at this point, because we've already got one game that focuses just on the original trilogy. And then, you know, of course, they've come out with a bunch of DLC packs and stuff like I don't necessarily need another game to have multiple eras. I just want, like, I would be happy with one game for each era now. Like, I mean, you know, you think of it kind of like Call of Duty, where they'll do like a World War II game and then a Vietnam game and then a, you know, Iraq game or whatever. Like, I'd be fine with that. Um, It's just I would want the next one to be Clone Wars and then in another two years do a sequel trilogy game like after Episode Nine is out. But, you know, the fact that they're, now that they're doing multiple eras, I'm like, okay, well, I hope you include all of them then. Because if it's just original and sequel trilogy, then that's going to just kind of feel like a slight to the, you know, prequel fans. Even though they could just be saving it for later, which I really hope would be the case, but... You know, it's like unless you're saving it for a dedicated, like, Clone Wars Battlefront game, which would be awesome, don't get me wrong, and I would gladly wait another couple years for that. It's just if they're going to keep adding on eras, it's like, well, okay, why wait another, like, couple years from now to just, like, make another game with all the eras and finally add Clone Wars in, you know? Yeah,
0: I'm sure eventually once they get all the eras into games, they're going to release, like, some compilation or ultimate (laughs) Battlefront that has all all of them in one game if they don't already because
2: mm-hmm. yeah. i'm wondering like i mean how much new stuff can they do with the the original trilogy content in the next game
0: yeah even with the sequel stuff because you already got jack we're probably gonna get star killer base because it looks like we saw that in that mm-hmm. behind the scenes video and probably a few planets from episode eight i'm i I'm assuming most of those will probably be dlc
2: yeah
0: since they don't want to probably reveal all of them in the game if it comes out before the movie, so... Well,
2: I mean, they'll reveal... We'll have trailers for the movie by that point. Yeah. You know, we can see the locations, they'll just have to, like, not give story spoilers.
0: Yeah, I just have a hard time thinking it'll be most of the new planets, we'll see. Maybe just, like, one or two, kind of like how we got Jakku, and that's pretty much all we got. (laughs) But, again, Force Awakens only had three planets to choose from, so...
2: Yeah. So, I don't know, we'll see. Like, and... I mean, I guess I am kind of worried, too. Like, yeah, you could have Jakku and Starkiller Base and Takodana and, you know, stuff like that. But gameplay-wise, I get the feeling those are going to feel pretty similar to Hoth and Endor and Tatooine.
0: Exactly. Yep. Yeah, so, Find that prequel content
2: because right? there's so
1: much variety. Yeah,
2: there is nothing else that's going to be like, oh man, this looks too similar to Geonosis or Camino or whatever. Like, There are a lot of like, you know unique planets that are going to make for some really cool gameplay in that.
0: Yeah, you, know, you will hope, or you would hope, that <laughs> that's the route they're going. But I'd, I have a feeling, I think even rumors point to this too, whereas they're going to focus on single player for celebration. Maybe show off what that's going to be like, maybe put together a story trailer for it, and then maybe save the multiplayer stuff for E3, which mm-hmm. I'll be perfectly okay with because I'm really excited for a single player campaign. Especially if it has co op, I think that could be lots of fun. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully they will give us at least, you know, pull back the curtain on what we can expect from the single player campaign as far as the story, what characters are going to be, what, you know, time period is going to take place. They're going to go through multiple time periods like Battlefront 2. So. Hopefully we get uh, the details on all that stuff.
2: Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they'll probably give some details on the multiplayer too. It'll probably just be E3 where we get like the first, you know, multiplayer game trailer. Um,
0: Yeah.
2: Or game, yeah. Gameplay footage like we did a couple years ago. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So, um, yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, that's going to be super exciting. I mean, just between, you know, Battlefront Rebels Episode 8, that's reason enough to go to Celebration. Um, but I think also on the Thursday, there's like another panel with, oh yeah, so there's a panel called Dave Filoni Animated Origins and Unexpected Fates. Um, and let me click on this and bring up the description here. It says, Dave Filoni, executive producer and supervising director of Star Wars Rebels and supervising director of Star Wars The Clone Wars, is joined on stage by creative executive Pablo Hidalgo. They'll discuss some of the most cherished characters to come out of Lucasfilm animation, reveal some untold origins of heroes and rogues, and with rare clips and artwork, they will track the surprising fates of this generation of Star Wars characters. That sounds like a not-to-be-missed panel.
0: Yeah, Any panel with Dave Filoni (laughs) seems like it's not to be missed. But these ones are usually good when they talk about some of the origins and, you know, ideas that they had for the series that they're working on. Those are always really cool. And it gets you excited for, you know, well, in the case of the Clone Wars, it kind of got you excited and disappointed (laughs) for what we didn't get. But it's still always cool to learn that stuff.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: But also, I mean, you never know if there might be something new announced at this panel or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um you know, these guys are always full of surprises. So, um, yeah, man, I, I that is definitely going to be one on my watch list, you know, for live streams and YouTube videos and stuff like that. Um, and then also they uh, recently revealed all the exclusive art prints that are going to be available at Celebration. Um, as always, lots of really great looking stuff on there. Um, I know you tweeted out some of your favorites and I... You know, pretty much have to agree with you on most of those. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, man, th- even though I'm not going, I'm like still three weeks from now. is going to be uh, a very good time to be a Star Wars fan. TM.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, even though you're not going, you cannot help but be excited for Celebration to get here because, you know, we're just going to be getting so much great stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. Just going back to those uh, Celebration art pieces. There are really some great ones. I wish I could buy them all, but my favorite one by Joe Hogan that's called uh, Jango's Finest. That just has Jango Fed in the background over Kamino. Then you see all the different clone troopers from the Clone Wars with Rex in front. And then yeah, this looks really cool. And it's in an animated style that uh, I always like of Joe Hogan. So that one's definitely cool. Then you got another cool one with the Death Troopers on Scarif, but you got Darth Vader in the background which looks really cool. This one's called Dark Legacy. Uh, so, yeah, so many great posters and stuff that if you're there to get, because I know some of them are exclusive that you can only get while you're there. So definitely check out uh, the Artist Alley that's going on at Celebration. I got a cool clone trooper one at Celebration Anaheim that I still have to get framed, but <laughs> I was glad I picked it up because you just can't get it anywhere else. So if you see something you like, don't, I mean, if you can't afford it, get it. I don't, I would say if you have the money, d- just do it because you'll never get the chance again. You might regret it if you see something really cool. It's Cause yeah, it looks like there's a lot of great ones to choose from for this year's celebration.
2: Hmm. Um, yeah. And obviously we will, uh, you know, have plenty of stuff to talk about, uh, you know, from that in the not too distant future. Um, trying to decide at this point uh, when we'll do our next episode. Cause you know, we, try to do them every couple of weeks. Um, and two weeks from now puts us like the week of celebration or, you know, the, the week right before leading up to it. Um, so probably won't be a lot of news to talk about between now and then. But if there is, you know, we might do an episode to talk about that. Um, but if not, we'll probably just wait three weeks and then just do a huge celebration wrap-up episode um, slash, you know, Last Jedi trailer analysis. Um... In fact, now that I think about it, we might need two episodes to talk about all the stuff that's going to come out. (laughs) Well, I know last celebration we did two episodes of coverage, but that's because we were actually there. Um, But I I do know we have a couple of friends that are going to be there. So I don't know. Maybe we'll have them on as guests and, uh, you know, get a a, a firsthand account of, you know, some of the stuff that was going on. Yeah. but we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll get all that figured out. Um, but for now, we're just you know very excited and looking forward to uh, three weeks from now. Um, but I think that's just about it as far as stuff to cover for now, unless you got anything else to add, Tim.
0: Um, no, I guess the only other thing is I sh- should probably give an update on our uh, Yum Nub debate because we got some responses <laughs> from our last episode. So uh, we got a response from uh, Joseph Golden on Twitter at CC Star One One Three Eight. You um, said just listen to the episode. Great discussion and topics. And by the way, I'm also a fan of victory celebration as opposed as opposed to yum dub. Not against it, but it's not my favorite. Hashtag yum no. Yes. <laughs> now that that's getting going,
2: you guys have to understand. Sometimes we record these episodes like really late at night. Um, I mean, not super late, but like right now it's like midnight and we're about to wrap up here. And sometimes the stuff that we talk about is just like us rambling and like having a fun Star Wars discussion. Um, but the point being that sometimes, you know, once I get it edited and sent over to Tim and he uploads it, like by a few days later, I've kind of, like, forgotten what we talked about, or, like, it's not, you know, on the forefront of my mind, and I'll just be in the middle of a day at work, you know, having a, a regular, you know, busy or stressful day or whatever, and then I see a Twitter notification light up on my phone, and somebody's like, just listen to the last episode of Star Wars TSC, and and I like Victory Celebration too hashtag yubnope, and I'm like... Oh, yeah, I said that, and people are actually using the hashtag, and it brings warm feelings to my heart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so keep it coming. And, uh, and it continues, too. Uh, Joseph was not the only one. Uh, we got a response from Jeffrey uh, Fishbox at uh, at Jedi Fish, uh, who first brings up Evil Plans, where he goes, Evil Plans was one of my favorite episodes. It was funny, and just like Tim said, it had Cad Bane. Don't know it was hated that much. I love everything I love everything everyone hates but then he goes as instructed by Kyle uh, he sent a message to Tom McClellan who was the yub nub instigator (laughs) and just threw out a hashtag yub nope to Tom so thanks for following the instructions Jeffrey and using that hashtag as well you have
2: done well
0: Uh, and then uh, we got a a Twitter message from uh, Michael Lucero at M Henry Lucero who says bring it out an opportunity that we missed on the last episode, Kyle, where we were talking about uh, me and the other person who likes Sunny Day in the Void. And he sent a funny image of the Nimodians from the Phantom Menace saying, this is getting out of hand. Now there are two of them.
2: <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, I, I meant to mention this when we were talking about Rebels and twin sons and how most of like the first half of the episode just deals with Ezra and Chopper like wandering around on Tatooine. It felt pretty similar to A Sunny Day in the Void at some parts, although I didn't mind it nearly as much. And like I said, it wasn't the greatest episode, but it was still good. It was still, you know, it still held my attention. And so I would, in a weird way, I would describe Twin Sons as a sunny day in the void
0: done right. Uh, see, Twin Sons didn't have funny characters like Wack and Gascon to help you get through the. <laughs> Neither did Sunny wreck Day in the, the Void. Well, that's why "Sunny Day in the Void" is better because it had those two characters to make you laugh. It a lot, didn't have right? funny characters. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, we got a Twitter response from Obi Mike Kenobi at Jedi Obi Mike. He says he loved the Clone Wars talk on the last show. So. Thanks all you guys for responding and glad you're enjoying the discussions and uh, tangents that we go on with stuff like Clone Wars and uh, some of those stuff we weren't planning on discussing on episodes, but they end up being fun discussions anyway when we get to them. So glad you're enjoying them and always love hearing your feedback. So thanks a lot.
2: Yeah, thanks guys for replying. And uh, yeah, glad you I'm I'm glad you guys like it when we go off on some of these tangents, especially when it's Clone Wars related, because I always love talking to Clone Wars. But um you know, it's like we try to stay focused on you know the news and the upcoming movies and stuff. But at the end of the day, we're just Star Wars fans, and we're just here to talk Star Wars. And you know, we kind of give ourselves a a guideline and an outline for like the news that we're going to discuss and stuff. But then sometimes one thing leads to another, and we end up just talking on random topics. And it's like sometimes I'll kind of catch myself going off on those tangents, and I'm like, eh, should I stay focused on the on the subject at hand right now? And I'm like, nah, I'm just gonna talk some Star Wars. Why not? <laughs>
0: Yeah, you guys gotta go with it, because it leads to some fun discussions.
2: It does. And makes for some fun episode titles, too, I have to say.
0: <laughs> that is but true.
2: Some of the best ones just write themselves.
0: Case in point, the last episode, Shopping for fruit. I mean, how could it not be named that? <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't know if, if this one has written its own title yet, but we'll see. Um. So anyway, uh, yeah, so, you know, thanks, you guys, for... Uh, you know, sending your responses on Twitter and stuff. Um, keep the yub-nope going strong. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, as always, you can find us online on uh, Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can follow us on Facebook at slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Um, you can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. Um, and we haven't gotten any email in a while, I don't think. So, I don't know. Somebody go ahead and, uh, you know, write us a long, like, I don't know Snoke theory or or expose on why evil plans is a good episode or something like that. Um, you know, we always love hearing you guys. You know, thoughts, questions, comments, chiming in on our you know Star Wars discussions and stuff like that. So you can send us email, and of course, you can visit our website at Star Wars. Uh, yeah, just starwarstsc.com um and you know find all these latest news stories and stuff that we're posting and of course also don't forget to check out uh com, where you can find all the other awesome podcasts in the ThunderQuack podcast network um and you can also check out our patreon page on there and i know um tim you want to talk about the uh the drive we've got going right now for the patreon uh facebook group
0: yeah so just Another cool way if you want to interact with me and Kyle, or maybe it's not even just Star Wars related, but yeah, if you support us on Patreon, just for uh, the $1 a tier, you get access to the exclusive ThunderQuack uh, podcast Facebook group where, you know, we do talk a lot of Star Wars there, but this a lot of geek stuff in general that, you know, me and Kyle usually chime in and sometimes make some posts on there. So it'd be cool to interact with you guys on there. So, yep, you can help support the podcast and have some more great conversation with us. So you can go ahead and check that out at patreon.com thunderquack
2: yeah, and that's for you know all kinds of nerdy good stuff. Well, I mean, you know, Mike and Matt from the Rebels podcast are over there, so we're not the only Star Wars podcast. But then also, um, you know, we've got Arrow and Doctor Who and all all other kinds of uh, you know X Files and other um, nerdy fun goodness. So. Um, Go ahead and check that out if you're interested in any of that kind of stuff. Um, And other than that, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, It's been a blast. It's been a while since we've had an episode this long, but uh, it's also been a while since we've had three awesome Rebels episodes to talk about. So that was fun. Um, And I'm not nearly as tired by the end of this as I thought I would be. Um, So that's good. Uh, And uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next time, and may the Force be with you.